Free Talk Live. Welcome to Free Talk Live. Phones are open here and you can join the show. All you got to do is dial in at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here in the studio tonight, my name is Ian. We have a special guest host tonight. His name's Kumo. Welcome, Kumo. Thank you for having me. Uh, and Bonnie will be joining us here in just a little bit as well. The phones are open. The number is 603-283-6160. Drag shows are back in the news. Tennessee is talking about banning them. We'll get into that. And now, the, now apparently uh, the governor in Tennessee, who is planning to sign the drag show ban, a photograph has now surfaced of him wearing drag. So... <laughs> Yeah, you gotta love these politicians. Glass houses, as they say. Indeed. So, but first, I want to talk a little bit about you, Kumo. You are new not only to being on Free Talk Live, your first appearance here, but also new to New Hampshire. You just made the move on Thursday, Friday? Yep, yep. just got here on Thursday night. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. How does it feel? It's an adjustment, that's for sure. Well, now, you say that, but you're from Wisconsin. Uh, so, I mean, you certainly... It certainly is cold in Wisconsin. As I understand it, it gets somewhat colder there during the wintertime than oh, it, it does cer- here. Oh, it certainly does get colder. The mm-hmm. adjustment's less about the climate and more... It's a new life. It's a new chapter. Sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, uh, you don't have to say, but I'm going to guess you're in your mid to late 20s? Yep, late 20s. Okay, all right. So, spent your whole life in Wisconsin up until now, I'm guessing? Uh, With a brief period in Minnesota for uh, uh, just a brief excursion. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, visiting and living with friends over on that side. But that's not too far away from, from where you were oh, from, I, right? Absolutely not. Yeah. It's yeah, basically an hour and a half from Wisconsin, so basically Wisconsin. So yeah, it's like uh I mean I having moved here myself from Florida, but for me it was you know, sixteen years ago. Uh it's like it's moving to a new country, basically. I mean, you're around a kind of a completely different type of person to some extent. Uh, although I was watching some of the, there was this Wisconsin comedian, I think you recommended to me and I'm sorry, I don't remember his name. At the oh moment. yeah. Charlie Barron's. Charlie Barron's. I watched one of his, uh, comedy specials and it was really entertaining. And it seems like there's actually a fair amount of similarities between people up here and over there. Like he was talking about calling, uh, water fountains bubblers in wisconsin oh yeah they do that here too really no i had never heard that term before moving up here they, of course they do the new england style bubbla here oh, so i yeah. suspect it's pronounced uh, a little differently yeah over there it's pronounced bubbler right yeah so uh, but but that means water fountain and you know somebody who's not from around here would if you said you know there's a bubbler around the corner you'd have like no idea what that person was talking about so i think there are actually some similarities just uh, the accent is dramatically different oh yeah the accent is extremely different uh (laughs) from my experience with talking to folks over here indeed so uh well anyway welcome to new hampshire you moved here are you uh, officially a part of the free state project or were you one of those people that's just like i gotta get there and i'm not a joiner kind of yeah i i never signed no no paper i never (laughs) signed nothing i was like all right i'm just gonna get over here and see how it goes Mm mm-hmm and uh but the free state project was definitely like a factor right in attracting you here yeah certainly uh the free state project basically running pork fest uh was what kind of like at least from my, from the outside looking in uh i think it was carla garrick who mm-hmm. came on tom woods show advertising the 
uh, Porkfest and yeah. just recommended uh, uh, going on, like checking it out. And I was like, all right, well, this was back when early bird tickets were only $30. Yeah. What are they now? Like a hundred bucks or something like that? I think early bird this year was 75. Okay. Yeah, but, not, not bad. I Ten mean, bucks a day. Yep. Something like that. So, you know, much uh, still a pretty good, darn good deal. So it was the Tom Woods show that turned you onto the Porcupine Freedom Festival yep. and then the Free State Project. Yep. And then the Free State Project. And Porkfest basically got me to meet a lot of folks over in this side of the state. Um, made a good few friends my first year mm-hmm. in uh, uh, Porkfest 2021. That was your first time? Yep. Oh, okay. That was a big year too, right? Oh, yeah. No, that was... Uh, sold out, I think. Yep. Sold out. That, yep. Sold first, out. I think that was the first year they ever sold out. And then in 2022, they sold out again. Yep. And it makes sense. I mean, like what, during 2020, you know, not I assume not many people showed up for the event. Or nearly it as was much actually as... pretty decent, but it was certainly not record record setting or anything like that. But mm-hmm. it wasn't terrible. A I thousand think, maybe. I think with twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, I think enough people started, you know, smelling smelling the roses and realizing, or you know, they they knew they something was up. The COVID tyranny was in your face, literally, literally in your face. Exactly, with the masks and all that. And I think that that definitely did get a lot of people's attention in the liberty movement of like, okay, well, whatever we've been doing hasn't been working. So are we going to double down and just keep doing the things that we've done but harder? Uh, or are we going to try a different approach and actually do what seems to be working over in New Hampshire, which is gathering people together of a like mindset in one ge- small geographic area? Yep, certainly. And I think what... And keep like with some folks, it's it's they really want to go that national route. And buddy, I tell you, I don't think it's uh, don't, like put it simply, I don't think it's going to work. Uh, it has never worked. Oh, no, no. <laughs> but if we, over 50 years. And yeah. uh, I mean, how many more decades do you need to fail before you'll realize that you got to try something else? You got to try something different. Listen, Ian, I think you just need to lower your time preference just a little bit more. It's just right around the corner. <laughs> yeah, just... oh yeah. <laughs> right. Libertarianism is just going to catch fire in the United States and everybody's going to change their minds. Uh, no, I mean, if anything made it clear that that's not going to happen, it's uh, the whole COVID response and everything that happened there. It's crazy. Oh, 100%. No, I agree with you, bud. The uh, The obedience that we saw happening with people there is... I mean, even here in New Hampshire, I mean, I was not impressed with the average person in New Hampshire and how willing they were willing to, you know, go along to get along. And I complained about that here on the air. But, uh, you know, a lot of them were, I think, doing it just because they didn't want to upset their neighbors. You know, even though they were personally against it, they weren't willing to draw attention to themselves and refuse to uh, to go along with it. Sadly, sadly, the. The fact of the matter is, a lot of people don't want to martyrize themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Understandable, and, and I get it. Like you it don't sucks. I can be, tell you about that. Being like the bad guy or the villain, and other people, and people, if it's your peers, you don't want to lose their respect. So you mm-hmm. got you generally end up keeping quiet. Admittedly, I kept quiet for the longest time with yeah. how my opinions on the things. I was a little bit blessed, however, as one of my jobs back in the uh, back during that time was at a gun range in a county mm. where the sheriff refused to enforce any policies. Okay. So our gun range, we were just like, you can wear a mask, you don't have to, mm. we're not going to judge you. Was the city that you were from 
doing mask mandates or anything like that? Yeah, mm-hmm. as far as I'm aware, there was... Uh, actually, I believe it was the county uh, uh, that was in for that because I, my gun range job was a, like two counties down, yeah. and my uh, the county I was living in was enforcing a kind of, uh, a mandate in addition to the state's mandate. Well, the state mandate was more so of a protection for private businesses to choose. It wasn't actually an official like state government enforcing okay. the mandate but the county had a mask mandate yes and a i'm trying to remember i think i think it was yeah basically a mask mandate and there were some other things are the counties powerful in uh wisconsin they're decently powerful mm-hmm. like here there's they barely exist like there's an office there's a uh you know there's a deed a register of deeds there is a sheriff's department but there's not that many of them like it's totally different down in florida where the county sheriffs are crawling all over the place and there's a ton of them and like that's what you see more often unless you live in the city proper you see those guys everywhere here you rarely see a sheriff's uh, cruiser around as far as i my personal experience in wisconsin has been there is a quite a bit of sheriffs all over the place mm. so they pull people over and stuff because here they rarely pull people over they're just like glorified paperwork servers for courts they can pull you over i have been pulled over by one uh but he just gave me a warning Mm. i've seen a well i've actually been pulled over uh twice in one particular county uh clark county wisconsin Mm -hmm. uh for for uh speeding uh twice Mm -hmm. and the you can tell you can tell that sheriff's department has some really nice pockets because they're one of the few sheriff's departments that i've seen with regularly new trucks Mm -hmm. every time i see them do they in wisconsin do the sheriff's the local police, do they get to keep revenue from tickets that they write? Do you know? That's a very good question. Admittedly, that is not something to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yep. Here they don't, uh, except for the state police. So the state police, that money goes to the state budget, and so does the local stuff. So whenever the, you get a ticket from a, like a local cop, the local police department doesn't actually get a cut of that. It all goes to the state. So what you end up seeing happening a lot here in New Hampshire is, is if you get pulled over by a local cop, most of the time you're just going to get a warning because they don't actually directly benefit from writing a ticket. It doesn't help the department. Really It doesn't help them personally, so they don't, they don't do it. Uh, whereas a state police officer is more likely to write you a ticket because it does uh, benefit them. So in- incentives matter. They indeed do matter. Mm-hmm. I'd have to look further into that. So uh, the phones are open here. We got Rob on the line in Vermont to start things out here. Rob, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Kumo. Also, Bonnie is joining us here as well. Go ahead, Rob. Hey, uh, you guys were talking about uh, sheriffs and stuff like that. Yes, sir. uh, You know, over here in Vermont, there's like four different sheriff's departments right now that are being investigated. Oh, okay. For For what? what? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, some I think for theft and, uh, you know, another one I think for some other nefarious act. Uh, the state police over here uh, in Westminster, two of them are on administrative leave for some other, you know, racially motivated acts or something like that. Weren't there some troopers in Vermont that were actually doing something good by, uh, like, falsifying I think it was COVID papers for people. Like they were coming up with fake COVID paperwork or vaccination paperwork, and they got caught doing that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Wow, didn't you know? hear about that. 
Yeah, but... Every now and then the police do something right. So are the counties really powerful in Vermont, too? Uh, well, I I don't know. It's pretty laid back over here. You know, I mean, I mean, it's like anywhere you go, there's always going to be a crime everywhere. But uh, at least they're calling this out and, you know, it's on the news and, you know... Hopefully it doesn't get put into a list and hidden by the attorney general, like in New Hampshire. Say that again? Hopefully they don't just get put onto a list and then get hidden by the attorney general. You're talking about the corrupt cops? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. Rob, uh, Rob, anything else you want to share tonight? um, No, I don't have anything else to say. Thanks, dude. Appreciate the call. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. We're just kind of uh, getting to know Kumo a little bit here. He is brand new to New Hampshire, having made the the trip out here. Uh, you drove out from Wisconsin. I th- you told me off the air a couple of days ago we had you in the studio just hanging out like 26, 24 hours, something like that. Uh, closer to 22. 22, um, okay. The reason it was 24 was because I made a stop in Detroit, uh, and then I attempted to make a stop in Rhode Island. Uh, but those plans fell through. So as I was going through Connecticut, I ended up going up further north. And does that include sleeping time as well? The twenty-two hour, twenty-two? No, that does not. Okay. I, if I included that, it would be probably well, yeah, probably about thirty hours. Okay. Realistically, yeah. you because you're need... up way in the north of Wisconsin, right? Um, Green Bay is more in the north. Uh, it's a bit of the northeast. It's not super far north. It's kind of like central on the latitude of wisconsin and it's just the fur one of the furthest east one what, of them. what was your experience with the people i mean because we were talking a little bit about covid and, and what it was like there you said the county had a mask mandate for instance what about your friends i mean what what uh what about your family what was it like i mean how crazy were they getting or were they you know quietly against it verbally or vocally against it what what was your experience so for context, I am basic amongst my friends. I am pretty much the only libertarian amongst Oof. them. I I'm surrounded by liberals, leftists, and comms. Really, uh, mm. I love all of them. Don't get me wrong; they're all good friends of mine, and they've done so much for me. In the in but you're not life. from Madison. You're from elsewhere. No, I'm uh-huh. I'm from Eau Claire. Okay. Uh, my libertarian journey started in Minnesota, though. Okay. Uh, but to keep that keeping my life story to as short as possible, uh. But basically, most of my friends, they went along, they stayed home. A lot of them even preferred that. Uh, we are part of, we were part of a kind of a large LARPing organization. And the Wisconsin, Minnesota. That's live action role playing. Yep, that is correct. And would you say most of them are like leftists? Yeah, pretty much. Kind of seems like that. And. Love them, love them, hate them. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a good, it's a fun community to be a part of at times. Um, Except but, there was no LARPing going on during COVID. I oh suspect. no, no. <laughs> Once uh, twenty twenty hit, like that that March, we put our king, our kingdom, which was Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Iowa. We went on lockdown, and we didn't get out of lockdown till, funnily enough, the weekend, uh, before Porkfest. Uh, 2022 2021 oh sorry but still that's crazy no no hanging out outside with your friends well to clarify though there was no official larping eventually we got to the point where we would go we would just because wisconsin 
we have a cartel uh, called the Tavern League, which is like very. I I, I know the looks. Uh, basically, it's a union of bar owners hmm. that all gathered together in order to enforce liquor. Like basically, it's 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 kind of it lobbies to give themselves better favor. They also lobby to prevent marijuana legalization. Oh, cartel lovely. sounds like a, a good term for it, that. It's, it's a correct term it is, for that. It is a cartel. Well, of course, Wisconsin is known for being a highly drinking kind of place, right? Like everybody's got a beer in their hand kind of it, kind of place. Listen, with with alcohol that cheap, I, I don't blame anybody. <laughs> the And it's not subsidized. That's the beautiful thing about it. Is that right? Wow. Okay. Is the cheese subsidized? I'm trying. To, I believe dairy is subsidized in some form or matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's federal, believe, isn't it? I, believe, I don't know. I think that's. Federal. I think there's price controls involved. Yeah. Which I know. I've met like one or two farmers who are not a fan of that. Um, I'm going to have to get talk further with them in order to get like some discussions on that. I want to get back to the cartel though. Yes. Tell me okay. more about. Oh that. yeah, yeah. So basically, because of the tavern league, bars opened really early compared to other businesses during the first lockdown mm, or okay. during the lockdown they eventually were like hey we found this to be unconstitutional for wisconsin or something or mm-hmm. we're just gonna open the bars now so wow. they so they just opened the bars and i'm not a fan of them as you know lobbyists against marijuana sure they have a lot of issues but they did open up at that time and during with that a good a couple friends of mine and I would hang out at places outside of our LARPing group. Mm-hmm. It just so happened that most people at, during that time would just stay indoors, mm. uh, hang out on... Dis- no outfits or anything? No, no outfits. Because uh, you'd be at a bar and people would be wondering what you're doing or whatever. See, that's so messed up. I mean, hanging out outside with your friends got you know, made to seem like an unhealthy theme thing and also criminal, unhealthy and criminal to hang out outside in the woods or whatever. I don't know where you'd normally do it. Don't get me started. So some people in our organization, like I said, comprise mostly of leftists in some form or another. Um, They were admonishing a lot of people for hanging around and having parties. Uh, when they themselves were having meetups and having parties. So it it's not even just like we're not allowed to hang out. It's people who get to have that uh that moral superiority while also ignoring the rules that they put for other people. Hold on. So the leftists that were locking themselves at home were still throwing parties? Pretty much. Was well, that something telling- that came out quietly? Someone figured it out? They were posting photos of it. I, oh. fe- I feel like eventually like they I think they just didn't think that their the way they were doing it was wrong, but the way other people were doing it was wrong. You wow. Know, we're would, washing our hands as soon as we get inside. Oh, yeah. Was it like COVID <laughs> protocol parties or something like that? I wouldn't that, even or? think that. They were all cuddling up next to Like, it was cuddle puddles and things oh, wow. like that. I'm just looking at that. I'm like, guys, y'all, okay. y'all, are, claiming, y'all are claiming to care about not spreading this. But, but y'all they were are coming th- down on other people yeah, while pr- they were having a cuddle puddle. Wait, <laughs> it's a funny word. Pretty much, and it's wow. like, oh, and there are multiple city people from multiple cities doing this, hmm. and I'm like, oh, so you're that potentially spreading it from from one city to another with this behavior. Well, was right. this after the vaccines came out? Because a lot oh, of people. Oh no, this is oh. well before. Mm, interesting. This is this was 2020 not, still. Not that I uh, like think that's fine, but there were yeah. definitely people that acted like, well, we're vaccinated, so we can go back to that's normal. That's true. There was that brief window where there was a potential for efficacy. Uh, 
saying what you I will I will not comment on whether or not the uh can we actually say whether or not or Yeah, we're not on YouTube. Oh, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're not going to be on YouTube <laughs> until May. Yeah. Oh, play it safe. Hey, all right. But yeah, no. So it it's a it was a very interesting time in Wisconsin amongst all my friends who I, who, I, I, who I need to remind, say I still love in case they find this. Sure. <laughs> But you didn't have any libertarian friends, and that's frustrating, right? You said your libertarian story began in in uh, Wisconsin, or not Minnesota. Sorry, Minnesota. Yeah, because at the time I was a Bernie Sanders support. Well, 2015, I was a Bernie Sanders supporter. Oh wow! Uh, and then I saw what was the, your family leftist as well? Um, my, is that how that happened? No, actually, funny enough, my family is a weird grab bag. Hmm. Um, on my mom's side, there's uh like di- like big big d democrats uh born again christian like middle of the road conservatives and trump supporters my dad my dad's side i actually my dad's side is pretty libertarian live let live maybe like at most i've never seen one really be super neocon like i think Mm -hmm. most are like in the liberty mindset but nobody amongst my dad's side of the family nobody really talks politics we Mm -hmm. just go we just enjoy ourselves like we we hang out as a family. We mm-hmm. uh, have dinners, drink beers, things like that, get projects done. So with my dad's side of the family, politics has always been very much on the back, back, back burner. Hmm. But uh, yeah, no, 2016, Trump gets elected. I'm heartbroken as a former, <laughs> as a Democrat who, for who you know, I was expecting the absolute worst. And then the key, one of the key moments was... Uh, do you remember that free speech rally in Berkeley back in 2016? Was that I don't like know. like Milo Yiannopoulos didn't get to go and I think maybe I think he was involved somehow. I remember, but basically, uh, black block individuals were fighting against people at this rally, hmm. and there was this girl who had dre- very very dirty dreadlocks, <laughs> standing ready to fight, and a guy who was two heads taller than her just socked her in the face. Wow. Oh. We're gonna come back to more of uh, how Kumo got into the Liberty Movement from being a Bernie supporter. Uh, the phones are also open here, and you can join us. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Plus, drag shows are back in the news. We'll get into what Tennessee is going to be doing. Looks like this bill to ban drag shows is going to pass, and we'll uh, we'll get into that coming up here in a little bit. Your calls and thoughts are certainly welcome. This is Free Talk Live. Some of you have wanted to support Free Talk Live's mission on a monthly basis, but don't want to support Patreon. Now we have an alternative that also helps our premier streaming platform, Odyssey. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join at the top of the channel. You can subscribe for $5 per month, and unlike other subscription services, Odyssey adds their processing fee on top, so it'll cost a little over $5 per month, but Free Talk Live will receive the entire amount you pledged. Higher donation tiers are available if you're feeling so inspired. You'll get a special membership badge that's visible in the Odyssey chat room, and if we get enough supporters, we may enable members-only chat. This new subscription method is a great way to decentralize our direct listener support away from just Patreon and also support a libertarian-run business, Odyssey. Please visit video.freetalklive.com and click join to subscribe to our Odyssey channel and help support spreading our message around the planet. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join today. It is Free Talk Live. You can join us here. Bring up anything you want. 
number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can bring up anything uh, here on Free Talk Live. It's Ian, Bonnie, and Kumo, our new guest host here tonight. New mover to New Hampshire. It's, uh, not part of the Free State Project, but inspired by the Free State Project. And there's a lot of people like that. There are a lot of people who, you know, in the liberty movement, they're just not like, I'm not a joiner. You know, I'm not going to sign my name to something, but I like the idea of what you guys are doing, which is is to say moving as many like-minded, liberty-oriented people here to the same geographic area and, and then hopefully having some level of success at actually making this place more free than it was when we found it. And I think that we are having that success. I think at the very least, the beginnings of that success are apparent, where we've seen dozens of libertarians getting elected here in New Hampshire as usually Republicans, sometimes Democrats, Uh, not so much libertarians. (laughs) The libertarians still don't get elected pretty much anywhere. But uh, there are so many libertarian activists that have migrated here. A lot of them are just kind of infiltrating not so much secretly in some cases, but openly, the two major political parties, which I really think is a nice flip of how things typically go, which is typically the failures from the big parties like the Republicans, like Bob Barr or Gary Johnson, uh, these sort of failed uh, Republicans. I mean, they, they did get elected, so I guess I can't say they're complete failures, but they wanted to go and become something bigger in a third party for some reason, and so they joined the Libertarian Party. Or they got, party. you know, a... Mission from their federal masters, their handlers, yeah, could handlers to go join the Libertarian Party and ruin it. Right, right, to make the Libertarian Party look like a bunch of conservatives, which it shouldn't be. That's the number one best strategy. Just make the Libertarians look like a bunch of conservatives. That's the best strategy. Well, that's what they were doing for years in the National um, LP. If it, just to be clear, the best strategy for the Feds to ruin the Libertarian Party. Yeah. For the listener. So we're doing the reverse here in New Hampshire, which is to say the Libertarians are working on taking over the other two parties. Now, I don't know how far along they are on the Democrats. They're pretty dug in, pretty difficult to uh, you know to infiltrate in there. But the Libertarians have done fairly well with uh, getting into positions of prominence within the Republican Party here to the point where a free stater is actually the Republican House Majority Leader which makes him the House Majority Leader because the Republicans currently have a slim majority uh, in the State House. So he's not the Speaker of the House, which would be the highest uh, position in the State House. He what, has the what's even the highest. difference? It's like they all get the same vote, so what's the point of that? The Speaker, I don't think, does vote. Oh. Uh, I, I'm not sure about that, but the Speaker runs the whole proceeding. So that guy that's there with a the gavel that the whole says, time. Matt Savanastasen. Yeah, that cannot pronounce Matt Santanastasso's name to save his life. That guy is the, the Speaker of the House. Uh-huh. Okay, but other than him, like, why does it matter if you're the majority leader? Um, I don't know. That's some sort of organizational thing for them. I would say, don't look at me. I'm yeah. an agorist. I don't really touch uh, politics. I, I don't touch the political spirit uh, realm. Well, and as you were saying, you did come from uh, from the left, so that's kind of agorism. For I mean, I don't think it's fair to call it leftist per se, but I mean, well, how would you describe it? It's it is. There are some certain aspects of it that do have leftist elements, like the. And keep in mind, uh, anarcho-capitalism does also have a class theory to an extent, but. Konkin, when he wrote, he was basing a lot of his stuff on the old anarchists of like, you know, uh, Emma Goldman, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. 
This is and, Samuel Edward Konkin? Yep, Sam Edward Konkin the third. Mm-hmm. He uh, wrote the book, literally, yep. on agorism. Co- counter-economics. Yep. I believe that was it. Called it. Uh, I haven't finished uh, that, but Anagoras I'm Primer, uh, yeah, the uh, counter-economics from the back alleys to the stars was sadly unfinished due to his, mm, uh, his death. Uh, premature demise, yes. Um, and, but define what ag- agorism is. So agorism is a... I would consider it a split-off from libertarianism around the time when there was a schism on the basis of whether or not political action was the correct move mm-hmm. uh, in order to spread uh, liberty. And uh, agorism was basically the result from Konkin saying, no, we should not do delve into party politics. We shouldn't be engaging in the vote, things like that. And there's debate amongst agorists whether or not the vote is... Almost all agorists agree it's ineffectual, mm-hmm. but uh, is it immoral? violence? That's the yeah. that's the big thing, and that's a tough one for me. I am I. Part of me leans toward it, towards it having being some form of aggression, but at the same time, it is not something I'm gonna die. Like that's not a some, hill you want to die on. Yeah. Well, exactly. Like some people get angry. Like people get into yelling matches over the most <laughs> minute things, and I'm <laughs> like, all right, ineffectual, immoral. I don't care. I all I want is the state gone. I'm gonna do. And the other thing that is very kind of important with agorists is kind of an emphasis on freedom for yourself and your family, mm-hmm. regardless of the permission or changes of the state. So, for example, the political route, which there it can be commendable, like what's going on, where it's you try and change laws or things like that. But sometimes you end up in situations where if you play within the rules of the state, they're still going to get you. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. I mean, I thought we were doing uh, legal things with uh, the whole Crypto 6, and they got me good uh, on that one. But, uh, yeah, agorism is interesting. I have read some, I forget which Konkin. I did read something by Konkin a, a long time ago, and and I don't oppose the idea. I I think, I'm of the belief that ev- we need all the approaches. And, and the fact is, you're never going to convince everyone that's to it. stop working within the system. That's right? cer- that's certainly it. And I know there's some stronger agorists out there like Sal Mayweather. Mm-hmm. I actually have a lot of respect for the man. He he's uh he's done a good amount to spread what ag- at least he, he's the reason I actually became an agorist just because him and Reed Coverdale, I should also clarify that. Oh, okay. Uh Reed Coverdale was on accident cuz he made a poll uh back when he was naturalist capitalist of mm-hmm. Is voting a violation of the NAP? That's the non-aggression principle. And yes or no. And I didn't answer the poll for two days because I had to, to think. think about it. I'm mm-hmm. like, huh. My thing about it is obviously voting for like Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or any of those people in the federal government is aggression against your neighbors. I really do think that. I think that's probably true. But when I vote for Ian... I am not, you know, I know for a fact that it's not violence against my neighbors. When I vote for, if I w- could vote for Matt Santanastasso, I would. There's other liber- libertarian-minded people. Maybe I would just kind of, ha- it'd be a question mark because I don't know, like, oh, we agree on most things, but there might be something that they're like, oh, but we have to outlaw drag queens, like, you know, in Tennessee. They're- so I I don't know. I In the future, I will only vote for people that I vote, like, 100% agree on everything with them. But not just agree because, oh, that's, you know, my opinion. But 
that I know they would never, that all they want to do is make the state smaller. Like if I could have voted for Jay Noon, I would have, and I made a video to help promote him um, because he wanted to, you know, our uh, Thursday, Thursday night yeah. host, he wanted to start um, tearing down the, instead of like seceding, he wanted to like put in a bill that would get rid of the city of Hillsborough or wherever it is he lives. <laughs> Abolish the municipality. We can continue with the discussion here in a moment. We got Ricky on the line in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live. Ricky. Thank you there, Brother Ann. It's on your mind. Sister Bonnie and Brother Como. Kumo. 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 Oh, I apologize. Yeah. Yeah, well, today, uh, TikTok was banned by the government. Uh, Which on, government? Uh, our, the federal government. How? It really? Was banned. Yeah, get this one. This is great. It's phenomenal. Uh, the government banned it on the devices, so it can no longer be installed on the devices of all federal employees. Uh. Reason why? It came from China. It's based in China. But I have an interesting observation. Okay, so just to be clear, only yeah. federal employees cannot right. put TikTok on right. their federal cell phones, but their own personal phones. cell phones, work I phones. presume they could. Work phones, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, Got now it. here's an interesting observation. It sounds kind of stupid, probably. When I heard this, I sat here and thought, okay, but doesn't it make a hell of a lot of sense that there would be just the same procedure and ban on those work devices of all apps that come from outside of the United States? And shouldn't that have happened like a long time ago? Well, I, I think that they're trying to instigate a war with China right now and doing little things like this is like getting the people in the right mindset. Like we can't have apps from China. They spy on you. And, you know, so it's probably why. To answer your question, Ricky, I don't care. I mean, to me, if you're working for the federal government, you know that they're going to be really controlling a-holes. And uh, so you shouldn't be surprised that they're going to tell you what you can and can't put on your work phone. I, I mean, mean, I'm surprised that whatever. TikTok wasn't banned from work phones on the basis of it's TikTok on a work phone. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, anybody working right. for anyone else should uh, be able to like if you're working in a restaurant, the rule is usually don't bring your damn phones in here. They don't, you don't want your waitresses sitting there on the phone the entire time when they should be working the tables. Right. Uh, so, I mean, right. I don't blame anybody for putting restrictions on people's phone use while they're at work. Right. But I wanted to ask you, Ian. That being said, your thoughts on it too, and, and all of you for that matter. When don't it would be kind of like a bad idea when it comes to security in general to allow a foreign government of anybody for that matter to have on a work device an app, considering what we know how apps work and how easy it is to put anything in there where they can take over your whole device. Yes, I would agree. Now. It would be bad security. <laughs> Absolutely. Then why don't they stop banning all the? Why don't they ban all the apps? That's my question. I have no idea. I mean, there's. I don't run the federal government. I don't want anything to do with them. So I don't know why they pick one app uh, over another. But this leads me to my question, Ricky: Is do you have your own TikTok channel? If so, what is it? How can we subscribe? Well, I will tell you this: When it comes to me, except for using Skype, and one day I'm going to tell you about my Skype experience. <laughs> Uh, I won't use social media. Really, I never have. Yeah. See, I, I think you would be. Nothing. I think you would be a hit. I, I think Ricky 
like rambling into his phone once a day or more than once a day about whatever thing you want to say uh, could be could be entertaining. I mean, I feel like I've I feel like back in the day when you used to call the show, I feel like somehow we found your photograph, uh, but I don't. Yeah. I don't remember for sure. I feel like you're like a long-haired, mustached uh, guy, but I could be wrong. I just assume that based on his voice. Yeah, well, one thing I will tell you, and one day I'm going to talk about the Skype, the Skype experience to those who remember me and what happened with Skype and the, the LRN and all the other stuff. Yeah, I do remember that people used to say you hung out in various different like Skype chat rooms with multiple people back in the day. Oh, yeah, here's a, back I in was the day. in the underground, me and Zero. You know, we had the Confederacy. Zero was a very well-known hacker. And also, I was voted on all of Skype the most unique personality to hit the Internet in a decade. Okay, I don't know if that's true or not, Ricky, but if it is true, then you got to run with this thing, man. I mean, look, I don't like TikTok either as far as, like, it's a big time sink. I think that's the biggest problem with TikTok. But it's possible you could, you know, you could become a, th- a thing on a platform like that, Ricky. I mean, why, why turn off a social media when, you know, you, you're such a character? Well, only one problem, Brother Ian. As you well know, and I'm not going to get into it for obvious reasons, but because of my current circumstances, I know a lot about technology. Remember, I used to be a Windows insider, and I did testing on Windows 10 phone, all that crazy stuff. At this point... I know enough that I could not effectively, with certain usability features, be able to operate a device like Android, say. Oh, because you're, you're having trouble uh, accessing devices. No, I'm having, I would have trouble operating it because of my limitations, Ian. You right. know that. Blindness, right? You said you were oh, blind. Oh, I wish you wouldn't have said it, Ian. But, oh, I thought you said it on the air. Post. He said he didn't want to get into it. Okay, I'm sorry. Never. I'm sorry, Ricky. I thought you said well, that on the air. Okay, yes, Ricky from the Commonwealth. I might as well say it. Just recently went blind, and that's also why I took early on Social Security for SSD. So that makes sense now. I could have sworn you said it on the air, and if you didn't, Ricky, I apologize. Uh, it's but all right, brother Ian. It's okay. Since it's out there, though, to... are you just legally blind, or are you like totally blind? Uh, I'm totally blind at this point. The fact wow. is, I was born. I was born with something called retinitis pigmentosa. Hmm. That means that's a degenerative retinal disease. A lot of people now know what it is. It used to be considered rare. And I've been going blind my whole life. Hmm. I could barely I could barely see back in 2016. I was 2400 with correction. What does that you mean? Know? Is that like a, a I I don't remember what any of those things mean. Twenty four hundred. Yeah, that's something like, about how bad your vision is. Like people are twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. I was twenty four hundred with correction. Sounds bad. Uh, <laughs> it is really bad. Yeah. And you know what? That's also I gave my my forty five Colt away. Mm. <laughs> but I don't I don't carry that no more. I don't even have a gun. But I still stand up for the rights of everyone else, of course. All right. Well, Thanks. Ricky, so thank me. you for the call tonight. And, of course, keep us in the loop as uh, yeah. you know, things one, develop. One more thing, yes, brother. Sir. One more Go thing, ahead. brother Ian, if I could. Yes, sir. I did, the reason why I didn't want anybody to know, because when I talk as myself, Ricky from the Commonwealth, I don't want anything to add or detract to anything I'm saying. Okay, you know, fair that's enough. We have, a, like, Three blind callers. That's what I was just thinking. Yeah, we've got a surprising number of blind callers on this show. Yeah, I was worried about all the other people that call in and stuff. I don't want it to disturb anything that I'm talking about. All right, brother. Well, thank you for the call tonight, man. I do appreciate hearing from you, and I I appreciate the honesty. You know, like, I hope people aren't that prejudiced. Yeah, no, I I can't imagine they would be.
You, you, you'd be surprised, though. Sometimes you end up having people just even when they are trying their best, they end up accidentally causing some prejudice themselves, even mm. if they have the best intentions. Yeah, our friend that's blind reminded me or made me start realizing maybe I shouldn't use the phrase because I wear glasses. I'm wearing contacts right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe I shouldn't use the phrase oh, I'm so blind when I don't have my glasses on and I can't see something. Because our friend you was here. You feel like it's insensitive? Well, my fr- our friend was here, and I was like, um, is my phone over there? And Ian was like, yeah, it's right here. And I was like, oh, so- thanks, I'm so blind. And he just says, are you, Bonnie? Are you so blind? And I was just like, oh, that sounds way rude when I think about it now. Uh, he was laughing. He's really he funny. He has a good sense of humor about it. Right, but it just made me think maybe I should be conscious of that. Like, I'm not hmm. blind. I don't know if you if you guys uh, out there that are blind have a feeling uh, any feelings about this feel free to call in and and weigh in on that that question does it bother you if somebody uses the sort of the colloquial colloquial phrase that I'm blind to reference that they've missed something obvious oh yeah perhaps? that's another way people use it yeah but you are you know without your vision correction in you are not quite 100% blind but you are unable to see things so from far I don't away know. only uh, the number, if you want to join the show, is 603-283-6160. We were talking about agorism, and my understanding of it, Kumo, and please you know, correct me if I'm wrong about this, is that agorism is this sort of outside-the-system approach to achieving liberty, where the idea is that we just build the alternative, and then the state will essentially like wither away. So the agorists would want to build protection services or you know street cleaning or you know snow plowing and things like that whatever things that the government is kind of doing now create an, a, a market-based alternative for that and somehow attract people over to it is that kind of like the general that, vision that for it? to an extent can be the general vision mm-hmm. uh Konkin had a very i think and and this is where we have have some interesting schisms even within within, or, agorism. within, within agorism because there's some people who don't necessarily buy into the uh, agorism itself will erode away the state. Okay. Um, what will then? That's a good question. <laughs> the the one thing, the, but the, with that school of agorism, it's I'm going to live free anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't need to worry about saving the world. I see. I just need to save myself and my family. Whereas there's the people, and I'm a, kind of in the middle on it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I know this is a multi-generational thing. I know the state is not going to disappear tomorrow. I know it's not going to disappear in a decade. I would certainly hope it'd be if gone. Only. Exactly. It's it's. I very certainly hope it'll disappear, and I'm certain it will. Uh, the I think the one problem I have, one of the critiques I have of agorism is, with, as an agorist is the idea of inevitability. It's very similar to Marx's... Uh, view of communism where communism will just happen hmm. obviously ignore lenin mm-hmm. uh lenin's view on the professional class uh provocateurs and things like that but like marx himself believed it was just an inevitability that the communists and so there are certain agorists who believe that agorism will just take over that fact- people will become agorists yeah. enough of them and and that's one of the things where i'm like ah, i know a good amount can and i'm sure there'll be cadres of you know areas where there'll be agorist you know pockets mm-hmm. i just don't know if even in the near like in the near future it's going to be to the point of starving the beast mm-hmm. so to speak because if you'll read 
it's if you read the new libertarian manifesto Konkin details the war so to speak with in like multiple phases and fourth is the the state is on its last legs and will wither away because it can't keep up with insurance companies hiring protection services mm-hmm. you know but there are examples that might have been the one that i read because it sounds familiar it's the one with the black and yellow cover okay uh the white the white cover is uh, an agoras primer um and then counter economics from the back alleys to the stars on, while unfinished was included in Derek Brose's how to opt out of the technocratic state hmm. the other one i've read is uh back alley to the stars and the thing i love about it um it, i haven't gotten to the end so apparently it's just gonna end abruptly because it's not finished but i read probably like five hours of it and all it was was here's another another example of uh you know a state completely locking down the economy and these people just doing counter economics anyway like businesses underground and it, it there's so many examples like i don't even know how he gets all this information and it, it's like really detailed about how how these people are like avoiding just like simply avoiding taxes or really complexly avoiding like in you know the ussr people had like factories uh without the government knowing because you know they knew who to pay off and stuff like that it's awesome the one thing to note though is counter economics is or counter-revolutionary economics in its fullest name is literally any action outside of the permission of the state Mm mm-hmm so, in other words... Of which there's a ton. There's so much. Yeah. What is the joke? You commit an average of three felonies a day? Mm-hmm. At, Not a joke. <laughs> at, truth, the, yeah. at, at this point. the So, basically, as long as... And there, like, there's a difference between the counter... Like, a, a counter-economist and an agorist. It's kind of similar to the concept of the worker and the communist and within the Communist Manifesto. Mm. Obviously, I'm no Marxist, but... Agorism kind of ca- has some of that leftist bent into it, so mm-hmm. you kind of have to be aware of at least some of the origins of thought. All right, within within it, as, uh, I think that as far as agorism goes, you know, the best bet for those guys is to be here in New Hampshire because there are a lot of people uh, that, and I don't know what percentage of the free staters they are, but I know they exist. Uh, I know there have been many debates, like in the, the there's certain libertarian clubs that exist here in New Hampshire because we have so many liberty-minded people here, liberty activists. There are these uh, social organizations, physical buildings that have arisen where people can, you know, become a member of this uh, this this club, and then they have access to the building and can hang out. And so I know there have been many debates uh, between the sort of the work inside the system types and the uh, the agorist outside the system guys and. And and then there's plenty of people that are like, you know, two feet and uh, one foot in one area and one foot in the other. Like I support like I like I do. I support both. Let's let's do all of the all of the things because we're never going to convince everyone to co- to go in one direction or another. So we need as many approaches as we possibly can to have you been to, to a, end the state. Have you been to a market day yet? No, I I have not been to a market day yet. Yeah, I'll I think start you're up look, in like the spring. I think they still happen during the winter. I could be wrong about that, but I, I believe they still do happen. You should check the Free State Project calendar, fsp.org slash calendar. 
Uh, they're usually a once a month kind of thing, and they're obviously bigger in, in the summertime when people are more likely to travel and go places. But Manchester, I think, has them every single month. Oh, maybe, I didn't know. Maybe wintertime, it's a little less often. I don't know. But um, but obviously, you know, you're probably not going to get as many fresh veg- vegetables or things like that during the wintertime. But, I'd be amazed. But yeah, you get, uh, you know, you get like beef and homemade soaps and, you know, whatever things that people are creating and, and, and doing and you know without permission uh, without like, permission. because there's like a, a farmer's market here in Keene and I love it but it's definitely like with permission sure and yeah. only like one lady was selling uh, bouquets of flowers for bitcoin that's true alright uh, right, so uh, the number here if you want to join the show is 603-283-6160 we'll get into some of the news with the crackdown coming in Tennessee against drag shows it is free talk live hour two's coming up Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, and you can join the show here. The phones are open. Bring up whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. 603-283-6160. Ian, Bonnie, and Kumo here in the studio tonight. Kumo's first time as a guest co-host on Free Talk Live. Thanks for coming in, dude. Absolutely. Uh, we've been just kind of getting into Kumo's history, uh, you know, kind of how he became a libertarian. We need to get back to that story because we never we ended up going off on some oh, yeah, kind of no. tangent to COVID or or whatever it was. Yeah, something like that. So we'll get into that. But also, you're an agorist, which is somebody who isn't necessarily a fan of the whole political system. And I gotta agree, I hate politics. But at the same time, I'm not full-on 100% agorist. I, I still am willing to work within the system to the extent that it could possibly uh, change things. And so that's kind of where I've come from on that. And no worries. I'm not I'm not out to admonish people at this point. I'm just here to live my own life and uh, be as free as I personally can be. That's the way to do it. I mean, ostracizing people for their, their opinions about the political system is not going to make you know a better life for anyone. What is the phrase? Uh, flies over vinegar or honey over vinegar. Let's go to the phones here. We got Stephen on the line in Northwest Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live, Stephen. Hey, so I would consider myself to be an agorist, right? Okay. Um, but I also I don't think you would ever. I don't think anyone can ever achieve 100 percent agorism, or however you want to phrase that. By that, I do you also, mean someone who is like trying to be completely outside the system? Yeah, I don't think you can ever be completely outside of the system. Um, no, and not as long as you're walking on the roads or the sidewalks provided by the government, right? Like, they're going to get you into their system somehow. There's some way they're going to force you to pay for you know, what they're doing. Anytime you buy food at you know any place that's not from another human being directly, you're probably paying some form of tax even if it's a you know even if you're in new hampshire and it's like a grocery store you're still paying for their electric bills taxes so there's always some way but anyway go ahead Stephen. yeah and so i heard y'all talking about it and i don't i don't necessarily believe that agorism is going to bring down the system right and part of that is i don't believe the system is going to get taken down because of one thing right I don't think there's going to be like this one moment where it just collapses. I think it's going to be more like death by a thousand paper cuts. 
Well, I mean, it depends on what you mean by the system. If what you're talking about is the federal government, we know that there's a chance it could just collapse. I mean, that's what happened with the Soviet Union. It could certainly happen here. Uh, But that doesn't mean the system goes away, right? Just because the federal government collapses doesn't mean the idea of the state has collapsed. That just means that the people who believe in the state are going to fill the vacuum with the next state, which could be worse. Could be better. Could be worse. But, like, okay, so I don't really believe that the USSR collapsed, right? I think that it shrank and I think that it changed names. Hmm. But most of the people that hold high-ranking positions in the Russian federal government right now held some position in the USSR. Okay. Right? All of those all of those generals were USSR lieutenants at some point. All of those all these high end polit- all these high ranking politicians were low and medium ranking politicians in the USSR. A lot of that's just because of time, right? But a lot of those dudes literally just changed their name tag when the USSR are collapsed. Right? I mean, I it. see what you're it's saying, that the, the uh, system may have changed, but the people, a lot of them are still the same. But they did get McDonald's out of the, the whole deal. I mean, there's certainly more freedom to do things in Russia today. And I'm not saying it's a f- you know, free country by any means. It's certainly on the bottom tier of uh, economic freedom, if you look at the various economic freedom rankings. But it certainly got more of it now than it did 30 or 40 years ago. First of all, if you want a hamburger, just let me know you want a hamburger. I'll come make you one. McDonald's is garbage. I, um, I don't ever eat at McDonald's. I'd just like to clarify that. By the way, that McDonald's is now out of Russia uh, since the whole uh, invasion thing where corporations decided they were just going to bail on doing business there. But uh, but uh, to go back to your point, Stephen, about you know what could happen, the only way the state is going to go away is if people stop believing in it. It doesn't have to do with... You know, agorists providing a better service or, you know, some sort of competing market in protection services somehow outdoing uh, the government police because, well, first of all, most people are already paying for the government police. It'll be very hard for them to justify paying for an additional service on top of what they're forced to pay for. We have to get people to stop believing in the state and maybe agorism can help us move to that place. But the reality is it's going to be a popular movement it, it's going to have to be popular because right now what's popular is obedience and what's popular is uh you know going along to get along and until we can get enough uh, freedom-minded people in the same geographic area who have a similar belief we cannot influence the rest of society the libertarians i think ev- anywhere else can't cut it everything starts in your mind you don't just build a new thing without picturing it in your mind first that's true if if the first person who invented a chair they thought i need to sit hmm what would that look like then they built a chair i mean everything starts with the mind and that's why i think that um if the world is ever going to be free it needs to start with changing people's minds i think agorism is a great thing because people who get it already just start doing it are showing people the way sure and uh just it's great to not, you know, give as much money as you possibly can to the federal government. Yeah, I think it's a great tool for personal freedom. Absolutely. Stephen? Well, I think that the I think the number one tool we have to get people to not believe in the state is your cell phone and local government, right? Whenever you interact with local government, 
or police or federal government, if you interact with those guys, just videotape it, right? How many how many videos have we seen since the prevalence of of smartphones of a cop just beating somebody? Right? Yeah. I mean that's and basically what I, turned me libertarian. I hate I hate seeing it happening. And I really hate to say this, but it's a good thing for libertarians because it gives us so much fuel. Like the thing that happened in Memphis, the fact that Which one was that, that one? I'm sorry. The guy Tyre, that just got killed, yeah. Tyree Nichols. Oh, okay, got it. Got it. Yeah. The fact that they allowed gang members to become police officers and then allow those gang members to get on government communications and go, when we find this guy, we're going to kill him. When I find him, I'm going to step on his head until he dies. Has that actually come out? I've not been following details on that case since it happened, that there's actual communications by the officers uh, plotting plotting his death like that? Um, yeah, to the point that, so a couple hours beforehand, there was a community, like a 911 operator basically, contacted his sergeant and was like, you need to talk to this guy. Like, something needs to happen. And the sergeant was basically like, ah, you know, he's just upset. His wife's or his ex-girlfriend's uh, word I can't say on the radio mm-hmm. or you're disconnect me. Um <laughs> But like they're just blowing off steam. He's not gonna hit. The, he's not gonna beat the guy to death. And then a couple of hours later, like they're. And this is just another wow. example of uh, what I was saying yesterday. How Sarah was like, "Oh, we need to have AI listening to the prisons because that way the prison calls because mm-hmm. that way, um, if somebody threatens to hurt somebody, well, the police will do something about it. Well." Anytime the police, not anytime, but most of the times when the police get told that there's a credible threat here or there, they do something like that. Like, oh, he's just blowing off steam. They don't want to do anything about it. That's paperwork. Well, I have I have body cam of right before I got arrested. The cop saying he hopes I have a gun so he has a reason to blow my brains out. Wow. Wow. And yep. and I go, hey, judge, can I get charges pressed? And the judge goes, well, you're an inmate, so no. Wow. And then I get, I get out of jail. I go through the whole thing, and she goes, you're on probation, so no. I get <laughs> off probation, and she goes, don't you have better things to do with your time than annoy me wow. that I can't say on the radio? Mm-hmm. And so I contacted the GBI. That's the Georgia Bureau I'm of Investigation. Like, and now I'm a libertarian. <laughs> that is so messed up. I, I know you've told us that before, but I forgot that specific thing. That's so crazy. Yeah, so but how many cops do... I mean, how many innocent lives have to be snuffed out before enough people will turn against the state? I mean, because that doesn't... I mean, while it may have done it for you, Stephen, it doesn't seem to be like a huge sea change in society. I mean, we did see some pretty amazing protests with the whole Black Lives Matter thing back in the summer of 2020, but did that actually manifest into anything? Did it actually change any kind of system? Did any police departments anywhere actually have any kind of budget cut or uh, shifting over to the supposed 
You know, the there was a, like this idea of, well, we're not going to get rid of policing, but we'll only have professionals who know how to deal with like talking people down from crazy situations, like professional psychologists or whatever. Yeah. Uh, social associate, workers social workers you know they'll be called to certain types of calls that did that ever happen i never heard anything about right. it i i forgot that that was like a thing minneapolis which was the the hot spot where this thing all this stuff went down didn't change anything the people refused to vote for anyone who was moving forward uh or proposing moving forward with that idea so like the whole thing is dead in the water and people still believe that even though that there's so many different examples of police abuse that we've certainly seen more now than we ever have because of things like body cams and people having cell phones everywhere, it still hasn't changed the belief that, oh, it's only a few bad apples. And, and that things would be worse if we didn't have the cops like, oh, but then gangs would take over. That's you what need, we have. You need sheep dogs in a world of wolves and sheep, as they this say. This is what they say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so... You know, and, and for instance, one of the stories we have tonight, and maybe we'll talk about this before we talk about uh, the drag show, is the El Salvador mega prison that Bonnie watched the footage from earlier today, I think it was. Yeah, or last night. It was disgusting. Like, it was freaky. I, have you seen any of this, Stephen uh, Kumo? Have you seen the El Salvador I'm, stuff? I'm, I'm relatively on the pulse of El Salvador, as it is the Bitcoin country at this point, so... I've been paying attention with how Nayib Bukele has been running his presidency. Stephen, are you aware of what's going down uh, down there? No, but mega prison sounds terrifying. Okay, here's the well, other the thing. Well, the thing is, the prison isn't getting any bigger. They're just putting like 10 people to a toilet. Well, it is a new, it uh, looks like a newly built facility. And oh. what they are yep. doing is they're literally putting suspected gang members in this facility. 2, but I wasn't 000- joking about 10 people to the toilet. They, it's they, more than 10. It's, it's like 100 people to two toilets, Whoa. Uh, I believe is what the, the numbers are. I think they give that number here in, in this article, but the BBC reporting on it uh, that 2,000 suspected gang members in El Salvador have been moved to a huge new prison, the centerpiece of President Nayib Bukele's self-declared war on crime. Tens of thousands of suspected gangsters have been rounded up in the country under a state of emergency following a spike in murders and other violent crime. The jail will eventually hold more than 40,000 people. This is the size of a small city. And they That's- were doing something really weird with them in the video I watched. Like They were all getting uh, corralled into the hallway of this prison and sitting in this weird position. Like Imagine you have your hands behind your head and you're sitting down, like kneeling down. And uh, your legs in front of you kind of are creating a V-shape. And then the person in front of you is in between your legs facing away from you. And everybody was connected like that, like some kind of human centipede. It was freaking weird. Like, it's just a... Yeah, their hands are actually behind their back. They're handcuffed. Their legs are shackled. uh, And they are all, like, leaning forward. So they're being instructed to lean forward and place their heads on sort of the back of their uh, the other person's neck or the lower portion of their their neck and They're there's all literally hundreds of uh individuals like in a row together so they all look the same rows. it's a crazy uh situation Stephen. the reason i bring this up is because the responses of course from people in the united states there's this video going around like a three minute or two minute long video on social media that is professionally edited professionally shot they got like drone shots in there of these guys these victims 
the suspected gang members who are being rounded up and put into this facility. It's basically a puff piece promo made by the El Salvadoran government showing these guys getting rounded up and thrown into these positions that Bonnie Turned was just Turned into like human Legos. And uh, being put into, uh, you know, a, hundred, a thousand people in a cell, you know, probably designed for a hundred people having to share two toilets or whatever. Uh, but uh, but the reactions that you're getting from people in the United States who are the law and order types, it's like, yeah, this is what we need to see. We need this kind of thing happening in the United States. Also, people in South America, I saw people like, you are sure. going to be the shining beacon, beacon of hope. Or maybe they're Central America. Tough, tough on crime. It, it It's something that works for politicians. So, Stephen, I think we're a long, long way away from having, especially after the whole COVID uh, obedience that we've seen from people, from having people just decide to give up on the state. I wish that were different, and I think that it can be different if we get enough people together in the same geographic area because then we can make being anti-state popular. I know what needs to happen. I know what the key is. It's that women need to stop thinking that cops are hot. I I don't understand it. But you're, you're asking you're asking for the moon, Bonnie. I'm sorry. It's weird. I mean, I I don't even Badge know bunnies. anyone personally, uh, other than TJ, who thinks bad badges are hot. But like, but as far as women, I don't even know anyone. But I know it's a thing. It has to be. It's they, a thing. People need to stop even considering. Like, if you're gonna date someone. And you're looking on Tinder or something, and you see that they're a cop. Just that's a, that's don't a, date a cop. Yeah, that's not just a red flag. That's like that's a no. Sorry, can't at all. Don't even think about it any further. I mean, for one thing, they beat their wives more than uh, the average person. And for another thing, you need to just stop encouraging these people. Like they probably partially became a cop because they thought like, oh, it could get chicks that way. That's disgusting. Some of them did. The worst part is they're somewhat right. Yeah, I yeah. mean, well, the trashiest chicks, I think. Stephen, any other thoughts so, you want to share? Go ahead. So a few things. How about we do this? How about we find um, 12 careers. I nominate chefs and radio hosts, and we have a sexy calendar so women can have 12 different jobs that are hotter than cops. Nice. I think that would, I think that would be helpful. But, I mean, I, I kind of got to disagree with the fact, like, with your comment that, it's not happening fast enough, right? And here's a bunch of examples. Right-wing conspiracy theorists, anti-vaxxers, and who predominantly are white, and South Central drug dealers, all of them disregard massive chunks of the law because they're not relevant, right? I mean, I saw I saw this... I saw this really cool video, and it it's a black guy in South Central where you can't have guns, and he's got an AR pistol, and he takes the he takes the the arm brace thing off, and he puts a regular um regular buttstock on, and someone goes, you know that's a felony. And he goes, you know me having this is a felony, right? Mm. Like what you you do you really think I care? And every two-way guy should come to grips with that. Every guy that's like, well, I mean, that's cool that like there's some gangsters out there that don't give an f, but I don't think that that's going to end the state, right? You've got to get normal people to believe that the state is a bad idea, and pointing them to gangsters on video uh, is probably not going to persuade them about that. But Stephen, thanks for the call tonight, man. I appreciate it. 
Uh, you know, the only thing that's going to bring normal people on board with the idea of, hey, this whole state thing's bad plan, we got to get rid of it, is to make it popular. And libertarians aren't popular. And that's why libertarians need to stop uh, getting involved with the conservatives. Conservatives aren't popular. <laughs> I think one of the other problems, and this is just uh, an observation I made over the over the years, is we do not have cultural relevance. And I've actually written mm-hmm. on this. Uh, in various pieces where libertarianism, liberty-mindedness in general, fails to hold the cultural zeitgeist because we do not have as good of cultural media as the left. Mm -hmm. You know, people quote Atlas Shrugged all the time, like, objectivism is not the same as libertarianism, obviously, but that's pretty much all we got alongside. So do you mean like uh, when you say cultural relevance, you mean like movies and exactly music and that exactly kind of because let's if we especially if you look at the in the realm of, say, children's media or, or comic media mm-hmm. or things like that, where there is very granted it, it like kids won't immediately get it. But if you're an adult looking at some of the stuff, it's it. there's a lot of Marxist elements in cult in these uh, media franchises. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to, I won't necessarily name a lot of names of these things. Uh, but the, but a lot of this is a case of the left having taken Antonio Gramsci's work to heart. Who's and that? Antonio Gramsci was a Marxist writer back in the day who wrote on cultural uh, hege- hegemony. It's always that word. Hegemony. hegemony. Yeah, hegemony. Oh. Uh, uh, and he r- was talking about culture uh, being the thing that'll move people to Marxism. Mm-hmm. So he, had, yeah, I believe, he encouraged people to in Hollywood and also the universities. Well, they've had th- success. They were, with they that, were very yeah. successful with yeah. that, as we can we can have seen now. Um, yeah, you're right. And the libertarian attempts are. Ooh. Um, there, a lot of them are really bad. I well, had an idea before, and I just want to put it out there for someone else to do because I'm probably never going to do it. But it was my idea when I first became a libertarian in like 2016. I had a five and six year old little brother and sister. They would sit and watch YouTube all day of just people unboxing toys and then playing with them. Mm. Like the, it would just be hands playing with toys. Mm. And and I mean, that's a huge thing on YouTube. It wasn't just my little brother and sister. Yep. I was like, oh, I should get some toys and make like libertarian stories. So somebody should steal that idea from me and do it. The good news, there are some shining examples. The Tuttle Twins has been sort of heralded, yep. and rightfully so, from what I understand, as a very good series of books. Uh, the animates. I actually reviewed the first season of the animated series. Oh, I didn't uh, even know oh, they had that. Me yep, they have an animated series. Uh, good for them. That uh, must you, mean they're doing well. Yep. Uh, their episodes are on YouTube. Hmm. I actually, and the review I did is on Liberty Blog. Uh, are these for like little little kids? Because I know the books they have different it, ranges of the range I would potentially give it at is, I'd put it somewhere in the realm of seven to eight year olds. Okay, all right. I don't. I the creators of the show would probably could probably correct like give me the actual you know give the actual description, but it is kind of that before tweens age okay. for youth because it's explaining concepts like uh, government uh, interference in markets, uh, food truck licenses. You know, things like that in some of the episodes. Inflation is, I think, a season two concept that they tackle. We're going to continue here. Uh, Your calls and thoughts are welcome. Whether you want to weigh in on libertarian and its libertarianism and its lack 
of cultural relevance. How can we can change that? I think that once again, having a concentration of people who are working together in a bunch of different ways to get the word out is going to help that. So I think we're going to see a change on that front here in New Hampshire because of the Free State Project. But there's more coming up, and you can join the show here on Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. studio here tonight and join us online of course over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that we have there if you like what we're doing here on free talk live you can support the show um, by becoming a free talk live supporter of uh, our amps program amps stands for advertise market and promote as well as support amps and i want to say thank you to ammon ford who is a free talk live supporter of our AMPS program. Ammon is a silver level, which means that he is giving five bucks a month to the AMPS program. And uh, of course, you get some uh, some cool perks like access to the AMP only podcast, which has the full radio show without any recorded ads in it. That's one of the things you can get, but you can get the whole list over at amps.freetalklive.com. It is a Patreon system, by the way. So if you don't like Patreon, well, we do have an alternative. You can join our Odyssey channel as well. Uh, and that does not support Patreon in any way, and it does support us directly. So you can go to video.freetalklive.com and just click the Join button right there at the top of the page. Let's talk to Chuck in Washington State. Chuck, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. What was that click? I don't know. You're on the air. Are you? Okay, good. I, I wasn't sure if I was on the air or it was the uh, federal government uh, clicking their phones again on your show. Um, What's on your mind, Chuck? Well, uh, El Salvador, yeah. you're talking about a bunch of different things. I heard uh, our our mutual friend, uh, uh, the guy from Texas, what's his name? He has a show on a lot of the Alex Jones? outlets. Here. Oh, that's, yeah. He was really going off and really uh, wanting this guy to, uh, sounds like he wanted the president of El Salvador to come up to America and run for president oh, uh, at some point in time. But uh uh, you were talking about libertarianism. Do you um, more proof? If that's actually what, what Alex Jones was saying, more proof he is nowhere near anything like a libertarian is. Some people no, might like to no, believe. You're right. Yeah, he he he's a well. I think he's a Christian nationalist, maybe uh, or something like that. But anyway, uh, libertarianism. Little House on the Prairie. Let's talk about that for a second. Okay, I've never actually seen it beyond you know flipping past it on the TV decades ago. <laughs> It's a pretty good show. I read the books as a kid. I liked oh, wow. it. Okay. What do you think about the uh, um, the whole theme of the uh, of of the book and uh, that relationship to the whole idea of libertarianism? I wish that land was just kind of um, not owned by anyone until someone went and stuck st- stuck a claim to it because. Um, I don't like that the government just owns huge swaths. Wait, I, I don't know exactly what part you want me to comment on. I mean, I, I just thought well, it was cool that they just were like, well, this is where we're going to land. Let's start building our house the, here. A, self-rel- a self-reliant uh, type of a, a civilization. And, 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 uh, that's what I'm thinking. And that's what I'm thinking when I 
think about what you guys are uh, trying to build over there in New Hampshire at the Free State Project. This is kind of what I think of, uh, kind of a, 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 a little house on the prairie scenario with cell phones and uh, selfies and whatnot and uh, uh, that kind of thing. I don't know. Uh, I don't know I, the thing that... about it is even when I think like, oh, I want to go live on a farm because I saw these Instagram girls that have a farm, I don't even like to leave the city to go get raw milk. Like I'm buying <laughs> raw milk from a co-op right now, which makes me feel like a you communist. You buy your raw milk from Nilly or Nelly? I don't know. Is that a character in the show? Grove? Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey, so, yeah, it's uh, just that like well, it's like that's 15 minutes away, and I drink a lot of milk with my coffee and stuff. Yeah, I, I, the only thing about milk is baby cows drink, and I'm not a baby cow. So, uh, <laughs> if Sarah could call up and give us an uh, update on well, before you go on, uh, Chuck, I want to get plus. Kumo to weigh in. I know you're asking about the book, but I mean, do you have any any response to his question about Little House on the Prairie and libertarianism? There were some interesting elements within the show that like yeah. it definitely be formed that rugged self-reliance that individualism but also working within your community uh especially uh what uh how do i put this there is there is a good amount of libertarianism that is against like big corporations crushing mm-hmm. the little man and there was a particular episode i particularly enjoyed where the farm equipment distributors were holding an extra, a very, very high premium on their equipment hmm. when the farmers were just going to go to the suppliers themselves. And there was a discussion between the owners of these distributors versus the main, the main, the father, uh, in the show. Um, and it was basically a, no, we all, all the farmers, these workers are going to be standing strong against this big corporation hmm. from, harming us so we can actually get equipment at a reasonable rate. So there, some might view that as more of a Marxist lean. I th- view that as just as libertarian as any, because they're, still, just engage, they're still engaged. Well, yeah, they're organizing and just as much engaging in the free market. It just mm-hmm. so happens that they're le- ignoring the middleman and going directly to the source. Conveniently, that's also kind of how we want to interpret government as well. Government's effectively a middleman for things, for services that we could very easily have cut them out. Exactly. Especially. In the book, I remember the most is Little House in the Big Woods. And basically, like, they lived, they didn't have neighbors, like, at all. They had to walk for, like, a day to get to town. Like, it would take a day for them to walk to town, buy their stuff, and come back whenever they did do that. So they rarely did that. So they did everything by themselves. And guess what? They, You know, people did that they're capable of doing that not me but not everybody needs to do that i mean in in a free world there's going to be a lot of people that just want to specialize right like they don't i'm I'm one of those people i don't want to learn how to do all the things you got to do to run a farm i'm grateful for the people that do know those things i've got technological you know know-how that i can focus on and i want people that know how to fix cars to focus on fixing cars so that whole uh, division of labor is a really important thing in a populated society. Uh, so anyway, I think that we're going to see more of that as uh, as we have if we get more freedom, because then people will have more freedom to specialize and they don't have to ask permission uh, for those sorts of things or to start their own business. They won't have to go and curry favor with government bureaucracy and pay fines and fees and uh, bribes essentially to start their own business. Chuck, anything else you want to share? 
Just imagine this concepts we're talking about and all the vacant land that's federally owned out there. Mm -hmm. You know, we keep hearing about, there's no room. There's no room for you. You know, it it is a ridiculous thing to say when you're uh, talking about uh, um, the potential for what we have here as uh, There's literally the plenty States. of room in the United States. The bulk uh, of it, as you yeah, pointed absolutely. out, is is quote unquote federal land, especially west of the Mississippi, and all of that land should, as Bonnie suggested, be open to homesteading. It should be something that people could just go and, and set up their homes. Serious question: Like one thing that I just can't figure out what my stance is on it as a libertarian is like if uh, the government disappeared tomorrow, what? Would it be okay for people to just like grab as much as they uh, wanted, like way more than they could live in, and just be like, "This is mine. If you want it, you have to buy it from me." It's just it almost doesn't seem okay. Like if somebody That's just not like okay in my book because like where I lived in Utah, I've stood in a place where there wasn't another person. Well, my little sister with, with was with me for like at least fifty miles in all directions. Like that's Hi. that shouldn't just be owned by. You know, somebody who can't well, it sounds live. Like, it sounds like to achieve your objective there, Bonnie, you're going to need like a, a like young guns are out there to regulate your land and make sure that that is secured for. No, what you need is a society that you know agrees I mean? on the property. Thank you for the call, Chuck. What were you going to say there, Kamal? Uh, yeah, so I think Walter Block actually covers that pretty extensively in his con- in his uh, talk of privatize everything because he details, you know, through the concept of homesteading, it's not a matter of oh, I claim this 155 acres, it's you have to put in the work in order to prove that 155 acres is yours. You have to you, do something to you it, You have right? to do something to it. And that could be... And Not just fair, put a he fence. Was, he, was, he was very... He was, he was very... As far as I'm aware, he was relatively liberal with how you were able to get to that point. But it was like, you know, you can make it... Like, for example, if you wanted a butterfly sanctuary, I'm going to pull that because that's one example he Mm -hmm. uses, and I like butterflies. Uh, You braise butterflies and, you know, effectively the region that they're cohabitating, you've effectively homesteaded. You know, things like like that. I think that can lead to some very interesting problems when the butterflies you homesteaded end up going on someone else's property. But, you know, that's, that's a far and away thing. But I think... You have to, there's something to do with actually having to put in the work in order to be able to claim that property. Yeah, and and the question would be, you know, how much work is enough work? Obviously, putting a fence around it isn't enough. There's got to be something else that needs to be done to show that this is actually property that you value and that you are actively uh, using. But it ultimately will depend on what the people of that given society think is appropriate. Maybe there will be societies where just popping a fence up is good enough, but maybe others will say, hey, look, if you haven't chopped down the trees and built something or whatever, right, like that there has to be some much higher level of... Uh, possession going on for it to be considered legit in this conversation uh involving the idea of work has that kind of helped me figure one part out it's like i believe landlords have a legitimate claim to their place they don't live there but what they do do is do all the work they if the house gets out of uh you know needs to be repaired they fix it um the water heater just broke landlord's gotta fix it because i'm not one of those people who just believes like oh there's uh, never a legitimate right for a landlord to 
charge somebody else for housing. You know, housing's a right. No, no. I think that the landlords do a lot of stuff. I think the problem, I think the current problem with landlords is not necessarily the problem with landlords themselves, which keep in mind, there are scummy landlords. Oh, yeah. There are slumlords, slumlords who don't do any kind of repairs or like they do the, you know, it's the land, they'll paint land, the white paint landlord special is a thing for a reason. Mm-hmm. I, I had but, a crappy landlord and I got evicted. But <laughs> one of the things I think this is, it's a, just a symptom is the monetary, is, is the, is the money mm-hmm. because we have such a bad money system. We have the inability for people to be able to save we like right. we are incentivized to spend with our deficient our our deficit style monetary system so because of that you cannot you're less incentivized to buy your own property in fact it's so hard to get property these days because prices keep going up because we keep you know it, it, the money printer go burr uh if we had a, a deflationary monetary system or even a stationary monetary system the prices need would for, go down, probably. Well, prices would generally go down because, you know, wealth increases, things like that. Mm-hmm. Wealth is not a fixed pie. And the services of landlords would still be necessary, but not to the extent that they are today. And with that... You'd have more homeowners. Exactly. More homeowners and less of a need, like young startups, young couples who are potentially married or things like that would be more would would be able to use these services if they were not in a multi-generational household or something like that, because that I think that's another problem that's involved, like involved with how apartment like people getting kicked out when they're 18, exclu- like always mm-hmm. and things yeah. like that. When multi-generational households helps encourage wealth be built amongst younger generations. Yeah, I think you make a good point about the money and another kind of related point to that, at least with regard to government and uh, taxes, uh, for instance, up here. If you improve your property, what happens? Well, the value goes up. Well, then what happens? Well, the taxable value goes up. And Mm -hmm. so now you're paying more for the same place you're living in just because you put new siding on or, you know, some sort of thing that's visible. Obviously, in New Hampshire, they will actually come into your home once every 10 years. You can refuse it, but then then they have the right to just arbitrarily pick a number for the valuation, so most people will let the bureaucrat into their home and tour them, them around. I have done it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it hasn't happened in a long time, but uh, but uh, but it, I have done it uh, early on. And I mean, obviously, if you have a marijuana grow room, you probably you probably shouldn't let them in. But uh, <laughs> you know, if you want the to get a quote unquote fair assessment, then you probably should. So uh, you know, barring taxes going away entirely, this is an incentive to. Keep a house in kind of crappy condition. If you're a if you're a slumlord, and you have a house that's like you know paint falling off the you know shingles on the roof aren't in a, in good shape or whatever, like it just doesn't look good from the outside. You have a disincentive from a tax perspective to do anything at all to improve the look of that of that building. Hmm. And so that's one of the reasons why a lot of the towns in New England. It's not I wasn't going to say it. It's not just a uh, uh, New Hampshire thing. It's true in Massachusetts as well. It's one reason why a lot of the towns look kind of junky, you know, because the people aren't encouraged to by the tax system to uh, to upgrade their homes. I'm going to be quite honest with you. You you say they look junky. You have not been to some as areas of the Rust Belt. Oh yeah, no, I have definitely not been there. No, I I've like, heard the stories. Wrong. I've seen some of these houses. I'm like, oh, okay, they're they're, they're you mean like a... Gary, Indiana, and places like Gary, that? Gary, Indiana, to anywhere near Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the Rust Belt? 
Like what? Why is it the Rust Belt? The Rust Belt is an area of the Midwest where the which can include places like it's even moving a little bit eastward and say like uh, Pennsylvania and things like that, where these used to be big areas for industry. And then as time went on, they stopped being uh, bastions of industry, um, whether it be from, you know, sending jobs overseas or whatever factors. Classic example would be Detroit's car industry. Yep, exactly. Detroit is a perfect example because of the basically it ended up losing a lot of its industry. So the the infrastructure, it's in rust. Mm -hmm. Wow. And literally, the buildings are decrepit, right? I had like, heard this before, but I don't think I ever got it explained. Like, I didn't know actual rust is causing something. You've got... Well, I mean, in some cases, it's, it it's kind of is, It's kind of more metaphorical. Like, it's just meant to be, like, mm. a decaying and a decaying land. Yeah, mm. so you've uh, got literally, like, abandoned uh, factories. You've got houses where people don't live anymore, and they've been stripped, in many cases, of their copper piping by thieves who just want to make a buck. Uh, I mean, it's just, like you said, I have not been through it. I've, all I've seen is video. It sounds like you've got some extensive uh, experience. I've, mo- well, as someone who's driven through areas, it, like, keep in mind, I've, I, I'm relatively lucky because Wisconsin is, I would not consider that part of the Rust Belt. Mm-hmm. We still have some pretty good industries uh, within their, you know, particular agriculture and things like that. So we, I would not say that, but driving through these areas, but to, like to get to Porkfest or go to various LARPing events, you see some of the uh, results of neg- negligible policy, mm. um, and because of that negligible policy, it allowed into populist uh, speakers like Trump to actually be able to get a good foothold. Because when your region is defiled by bad policy, uh, bailouts, things like that, where mm-hmm. you know the CEOs get to fly off in their the private golden jets. parachute, yeah. Yeah. exactly golden parachute. When then you have Trump come in and talk to the average worker in those in the Rust Belt and say this isn't your fault, you know he 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 got a lot of support by talking to those people. So funny. Well, I, I was about to say sadly, but to be honest, I'm not a fan of the guy. So you know, thankfully he didn't li- live up to his you know promises with them, and then he kind of lost favor. Mm-hmm. So you know, lame kind of a lame duck if you. Well, and unemployment's a problem there too, right? Oh, like oh, there's absolutely. a lot of people that are just living on welfare. Yep. Not not as bad as some places of the Bible Belt, mm-hmm. as far as I'm aware. If I mm-hmm. remember correctly, a buddy of mine, I think he was from Mississippi or Alabama, and if a job for Walmart at minimum wage, and this is a story he would tell me, he, he at least down there, if a Walmart for minimum wage would open up, there would be a line. Wow. Like a very, very long line of people trying to get that job. Damn. I don't know if it's still like that today. I don't know. I don't know. Mississippi is the poorest state I've heard. Up here, I mean, everyone's hiring. It's just so it's so crazy how many people are hiring in New Hampshire. I mean, there's there's no better time for liberty minded people who are looking for work. If you know, if you are living in a place and you're just doing some retail job, well, there's plenty of those uh, here in New Hampshire. There's plenty of opportunities up here for people that actually do understand the ideas of freedom. Let's uh, let's see here. I don't think we ever f- had you finish your story, Kumo, no. of how you ended up. You started as a leftist, a Bernie Sanders supporter, I believe, in 2015, 2016. Pretty bummed by the Trump election. And then at some point you found the ideas of liberty and it involved leaving Wisconsin and being in Minnesota. Yeah. So basically what ended up happening was I got a 2006 Ford Freestar. It's a minivan. Uh, the uh, And 
I wanted to visit some buddies in Minnesota. And obviously at this time, I was still a progressive of some sort, a disenfranchised Democrat. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was like, oh, I'm just going to go to Minnesota. Were you disenfranchised because of how the Democratic Party treated Bernie Sanders? That was mostly it. Okay. And I was like, if they, and I think I, it was, yeah, 2018. So I was having discussions with my liberal, some of the liberal family members, you know, vote blue no matter who. And I was like, listen, if they do what they did to Bernie back in 2016, I'm not voting for them. Because I think at the time I was a ya- I was Yang Gang. Okay. Which, yeah. Yeah. No. He, Andrew Yang. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. I I used to have a lot of respect for the guy. Looking at not some of the people he's endorsed now, I'm I, not so much. Hmm. But uh, regardless, moving on. Uh, as I was there, I had a significantly lower paycheck. Uh, technically being paid more, but less was being taken home. Mm-hmm. Um. Alcohol taxes were much higher. Sin, sin taxes were higher, I should say, um, compared to Wisconsin. Okay. At the time, I was a regular, like, not not an alcoholic, but my buddies and I would drink. Yeah, young so, guy. So, Drinking. you know, things like that. So okay. I noticed that. Um, and then I think the final straw, because I was getting pissed about, like, the, my paycheck being less. I, and uh, that, you know, that's, you know, that's, I don't think that's enough to push someone to the liberty mind. Uh, what did, however was police there was a news story about police going to a homeless encampment on a bridge and destroying it Mm -hmm. and that as someone who was living in a van at the time Mm -hmm. uh struck home it's really struck home and i was i was i was livid my coworkers like saw like you know my vein like the vein in my head popping and i took my a friend of mine his name is rourke he did one of those political compass tests. Say what you will about political compass tests. I don't think they're particularly great. But it was like, you know, in the lib right section. I'm like, oh, okay. I wonder. Him and I. Your friend was. Or yeah, you he, he was. Okay. So I'm like, oh, him and I get along. We talk about things. Took the test. I was about in the same realm, which was mm-hmm. kind of still in kind of that centrist territory. But it was in the lib right when all the time I've taken was in lib left. Liberal or libertarian? Libertarian, oh, okay. yeah, because it, it's authoritarian to libertarian, uh-huh. yeah. left to right, okay. you know, things like that. So, Me and Ian took it, like, last week, and we got almost the same square. Like, you know how it's a bunch of little tiny squares? Yeah, baby, yep. There's yep. different ones. There's the, uh, the the classic one was the world's smallest political quiz by the yep. advocates for self-government. You're talking about one of the online ones that's not that I one, think right? if you look up just literal political compass. Yeah, I think that's the one that Bonnie and I yep. took. It it's got like the the art of the people that uh, yeah, like who, who public might be figures yeah, yeah public figures and things like that. Um, I used to be in the libertarian left quadrant for most of my time, especially in high school, mm-hmm. and then after I took that, it put me basically on the same level li- libertarian wise, but it moved me basically the exact opposite to the right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, huh? And I talked to my friend. I'm like, am I a conservative? And he's like. No, you're extremely anti-war. I don't think that that really fits your mo. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, then I realized, learned what libertarianism was. And how old were you at this time? I was. Hold on, let me do some quick maths. Sounds like early twenties. If you could drink, I was pretty early. Tw- I was mid twenties, okay. I believe, because twenty. Yeah, twenty. So this would have been like right after Bernie Sanders. Because it was like right after, oh, I thought you said it was right after Trump got elected. Yeah, so 28, yeah, it was basically okay, like. so that's six so, years ago. Yep. That's, that's interesting. Like, yeah, it was 22, 23-ish. Okay. Me and you have two similarities. First of all, Bernie Sanders is instrumental in me becoming a libertarian because I hated him. 
And I was always arguing with my sister on Facebook because my sister liked Bernie Sanders. She doesn't really. Anyways, um, and I was arguing with her on Twitter and a friend of mine would like get involved and be like, yeah, also, this is a reason why his policies don't work. Because I was just coming from basically being like a Fox News Republican conservative. Mm. And um, my friend would make all these good points. I'd be like, where? Where do you learn this stuff? Like, this is really interesting what you're saying. Like, I want to know more about economics like you know. And he showed me the Foundation for Economic Education. And so Bernie Sanders is also, for a different reason, part of the reason I'm a libertarian. <laughs> Thanks, Bernie. <laughs> and um, the Bring other thing... libertarians every day. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting about it is you're, you're not supposed to exist, Kumo, because there are so many people nowadays that believe, like... You can't convert people from the left to becoming a libertarian. It's not possible. All you can do is uh, figure out who was already a libertarian and get them to move to New Hampshire. And I don't believe in that. I think that people's minds can change. You're obviously intelligent and uh, you just thought about it. Absolutely. We're going to continue here in moments. We'll get into El Salvador a little bit deeper because what's happening down there is really ugly. And sadly, there's a lot of people cheering it on here in the United States. We'll tell you about that. Plus, uh, drag show ban coming to Tennessee. It's on the way as well. It's Free Talk Live. Hour 3 coming up. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. Kicking off the third hour of the program. Join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Tonight, it's Ian, Bonnie, and Kumo in the studio here. You can join us online anytime you want. Just head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy the various features you will find there completely free. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. We'll get back into your calls and thoughts. We're talking with Kumo here. He's a new mover here to new hampshire new libertarian migrated i mean not new libertarian you're uh you know six-year-old libertarian at this point sound like that. Uh, they're they're about half a decade libertarian we were just talking about how you ended up becoming a libertarian you had moved over to minnesota and you discovered that the taxes were a little more oppressive there they're a little more uh, present in your life leaving you with fewer dollars with which uh to spend even though you were earning about the, the same amount and I don't know if we actually got to the point where, like, you were frustrated. Well, he said then the cops uh, messed up an encamp- uh, homeless encampment. Oh, yeah, yep. the cops destroyed a homeless encampment on a bridge, and you were living in your car at the time. Yep, that was basically my snapping moment. Uh, I also did not mention, but cops would regularly park around me uh, mm. at public parks or public spaces because they knew I was a regular in the area mm-hmm. uh, in the town I was in. So they would just constantly watch me, and I was like, Listen, I'm just here chilling and I'm just, I'm not committing any crimes. I'm just, uh, I'm just relaxing here. I don't know what the problem is. So that also added to my animosity. I already had animosity towards cops because, you know, leftist, but, you know. Yeah, well, that- I was going to say, I mean, being critical of the police wouldn't necessarily lead one to libertarianism, per se. Yeah, that is correct. I think the, I think the thing that got it was specifically the fact, though, I was living in a vehicle. So, you know, I was able to put it entirely in. And as selfish as it is to put it into my perspective of what if they came in and destroyed my van for some reason, Mm -hmm. things like that. I don't know if that was the full thing, but effectively put me onto the, what I would consider the Lulbert route, which is, you know, freedom is good because freedom good. I'm not going to look into any theory. I'm not going to, 
And keep in mind, I'm not disparaging people who think freedom good. It's just uh, looking at it now, I was not very principled in how I viewed liberty because I didn't even think about property rights. I just thought, I can do what I want. To start. So uh, yeah, when cops are basically investigating you for doing nothing but wanting to live a life that they think might be strange, you know, mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. has got to make you start thinking, you know, like I can do what if if I want to because you can. (laughs) Was it around that time with the cops and the uh, homeless encampment and all that that you took that quiz? Pretty much, and then I saw that in political compass. Yeah, political compass, and then I took that, and they basically. Kind of just set me on the path afterwards. Mm-hmm. I admittedly did not know about Rothbard, Mises, or any of those, uh, you know, great writers or thinkers until even though they are featured on that quiz. I think some of them are at least. I don't even I don't even remember if they were. Uh, but regardless, like I don't even think I'd pay attention to them because uh, I just looked at the quadrants. Mm-hmm. But uh, I didn't know about them until like 2020 mm. when there was I forgot exactly what. Uh, YouTube channel had this rap with Marx versus Mises. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Historical rappers or something? Historical rap battles, something like that? Well, there's a rap, uh, there's epic rap battles of history, but that's probably not the one. It's not that one. It's one by libertarians. Yeah, it's one by libertarians where it's Marx versus Mises. And Mm -hmm. then I was like, who's this Mises guy? And then also the one with uh, Hayek versus Keynes. And, uh, like of both of those, and I started looking into Mises and Hayek. Mm-hmm. Is that how you found Tom Woods? Um, that came after once I learned about Rothbard, hmm. and uh, I was, what was it? It was I was think I was listening to. I think it was Drew Hancock. I don't uh, know that name. He, Neither. Um. He made a bunch of short YouTube videos on mm-hmm. we uh the cathedral, uh weak libertarians, strong libertarians, uh younger guy. I think he worked for works for I don't know if he still works for Odyssey, but Oh cool. Um Oh yeah, I think I've seen him on Twitter. Yep. He's a big Twitter guy, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. He's I, moved I recognize he's the moved, name. Now. He's moved away from like Liberty stuff, uh and is focusing on video games and he's putting a lot of his passion into that and I mm-hmm. actually commend him for that. Well yeah, that, that comes back to the cultural discussion that we were having before. Yep. Right? Where we need more freedom minded people in these creative arts areas. Yep. And uh with that, then I'll start to get recommendations. And my YouTube recommendations, it's the Tom Woods show, something, something. And it was the face of Tom Woods. And I'm like, who's this? Who's who's this guy? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you hear the guitar riff, prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. <laughs> and I'm just like, all right, it's it's one of these guys. And then after I started listening. I'm like, oh, He's reasonable. And then I learned later he was a very big name. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, all right. uh, And then he went to Porkfest. Oh, sorry. Also to say, on top of that, one of the other things I was getting, the reason I got it in my recommended was because I was also listening to Backwards. That's Eric July's. Yeah, Eric July. Music. So Eric July and Tom Woods kind of pushed me even further into into that ANCAP route. What were you going to say, Bonnie? I just love that Tom Woods is so reasonable, you would think... If you've just listened to him once or twice, that he's something like a minarchist, but really he's like a straight up anarchist. Oh, yeah. he's, a, he's a voluntarist. I love I think. Tom Woods. He's definitely like once I found uh, got shown um, Foundation for Economic Education, the same person who showed me that showed me Tom Woods, and I listened to like every Contra Krugman and like every Tom Woods that I could 
people listen to because there's like thousands. Yeah, there's like oh, at this point there's like two thousand plus episodes. Yep. And mm-hmm. He's pretty prolific. He does it like you know he. It, we do a show every single night, but he does like a planned out show at least like three times a week. Yeah, that's it's crazy true. how much he puts out. Let's go to the phones here. Sarah is on the line in New Mexico. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Ah, uh, yes. What's Richard yes. yelling at you back there? Is he yelling at you? What's going on? Oh no, he just he's talking about uh, something else. He doesn't know that I'm I'm on right now. He's uh, okay. Death. All right, what's going on? So. No, that I just want to say that I just can't believe that um, our state wants to increase uh, increase our state session to uh, sixty days, like two months every year now, instead of like one month the other year. They're really thinking about this. Um, okay, just let me so, see if I can follow to... what you're saying. So, the state house in New Mexico wants to increase the number of days they're meeting from one month every two years to two months every two years? Okay, or? so one, one year they meet for 60 days, two months, uh-huh. and the next year they meet for one month, and okay. it's just for budget. Got it. So now they figured out that they might need to have two-month session every year and then mm. have a three-week break between so that they could all read all of the bills, what they're going to vote for. Because the bills, they can't even read through it because it, uh, uh, it, it's just too fast. I mean, and this year yeah. they introduced 800 bills. There's no way they, they could read any of what, and they don't know what they're voting for, what they're reading, what, what it's about. And so the, they want to have a three-week break, and they're really talking about this. Okay, so. well, I uh, I wish they would just you know uh, have zero days that they were meeting, but I do have to commend the New Hampshire House, or sorry, the New Mexico House of Representatives for having such a short period of time in which they can do the worst possible <laughs> things to the poor people. They get it done, of New Mexico. I mean, it's pretty it's freaking bad state. over there. Yeah, they they do manage to get it done. Uh, and well, according to this, there are seventy seats in the New Mexico. State House. You know, one other nice thing I can say about the New Mexico State House is they don't pay their legislature a lot of money. New Hampshire is sort of known for being, I think, the lowest of all of them with $100 per per year is what the New Hampshire state reps make, plus a small gas stipend. And I think New Mexico is like down towards the bottom of that list as well. I'm, I'm looking to see if it'll... Oh, okay. No, it's the... I, I have to correct myself here. Uh, the New Mexico House of Representatives has no salary, but they do get a per diem. So I don't know if their per diem ends up being more than what the... Per diem um, is like your food for the day, right? I think it's just a travel, you know, per day, right? Like you, you come for that day, you get paid for that day, uh, that kind of thing. So I don't know what... Do you know what it comes out to, Sarah, what the typical take-home is for a state rep um, there? I know exactly the breakdown mm-hmm. the per diem is like your hotel expense for your gas mileage so they're probably milking you, that then to some extent yeah, you probably get a meal like in the military you always like hear about per diems like i used to work in hotels in the mil- on military bases and like they'd have a per diem which covered their hotel their gas and, and like food. at least a meal if not more than one right right but, but you know what the i mean but they they're not able to devote most of their time just working them for free. I mean, nobody, nobody else that works for free, but they want, we want them to work for free. And so, um, and so they, they can't do like a fully committed job. Like a lot of the lawyers, it takes away from their law. And profession. they shouldn't run. Well, I mean, but the thing is, that's why, well, who's going to run the state then, you know? 
People who so, care about it that much. People who will make the time. Yeah, there's vol- I mean, essentially volunteer positions, and they manage to do it as is. So, like, it doesn't seem to not be working. Uh, Sarah, thanks for the call tonight. I'm looking here at uh, ballotpedia.org, where they actually have taken the time to list all of the states and what the salary is for uh, state representatives there. New Hampshire, of course, with $100 per year. New Hampshire, they're they're saying here, doesn't have a per diem. Now, maybe they're not considering whatever the, I don't know what they call it, but there's something they get for gas. And so it it differs based on like if you're tra- if you are traveling a longer distance to uh in New Hampshire like let's say you live in the north country and it takes you an hour and a half uh to get to the state house versus somebody who lives a couple towns away and it takes them 15 minutes the people that have to drive an hour and a half do get a larger stipend than the people uh that have to drive 15 minutes so it really is based on distance instead of what apparently New Mexico has where they do get a per diem which is $165 a day in January and February and $202 a day. So, yes, if you are a new uh, New Mexico state rep, you are taking home a lot more money, it sounds like, uh, because of the per diem than you would in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And according to the list here, yeah, it's there's no other state representative... Uh, that makes less than New Hampshire. So New Hampshire is the lowest paid state representatives out there, which there is was just a awesome. Talk recently about uh, height, height, heightening that. I don't know if it was actually a bill that someone put There's in. There's a bill, yeah, to oh. raise it to like five grand or something wow. like that, which and is insane. My personal opinion is just that it probably has no chance. Not only does it, you know, take more money from the taxpayers and give it to people in the government, like that's bad in, its, in itself. But the other thing is just that that's not how this position was intended. It was intended. To be like you don't really want to do it it's like a thing like man i feel like i gotta do this because you're serving quote unquote i mean obviously it doesn't really work out that way but the last thing i want is it is it to be like uh you know really profitable for people to be in the government i mean it already is in other positions but you know indeed amen uh, so the number is 603-283-6160. Do we cover your story, uh, Kumo? Yeah, I think, I think we cover fair ground. I think we can start talking about El Salvador, the drag shows. All right, good. Uh, so El Salvador, this is just an absolutely insane, uh, video. I will try to find, I don't have it in front of me right now, but I'll, I'll try to dig it up. It's on Nayib Bukele is the president there, dictator. Uh, and he's very active on Twitter, so all I'd have to do is go to his, his Twitter account. He he shared it. It's a three-minute-long or two-and-a-half-minute-long two video, which just shows the conditions that these uh, 2,000 humans are being put into. Now, I'll be... You know, I'll be clear, they don't look like they're good guys, right? Like, they're all tatted up. They they look like thugs, right? Like, the, the people that they have, at least the ones they show in the video, who knows what all 2,000 of them look like. But they're not convicted. Okay, and I think that for those of us that value at least the sh- somewhat sham of a judicial system that uh, the United States has, at least you are not guilty in the United States until you're convicted well, by that system. They don't always play that by that rule, but that's an important rule that most people believe in. Right, and in theory, that that's a good rule. Here, these guys have been rounded up, 2,000 of them, and they've been taken to a brand new prison as suspects. A jail that will eventually hold, according to the BBC, more than 40,000 people. Photos and videos show the first massive group of inmates, tattooed and barefoot, being led to the facility in shackles. And the way they're, by the way, being forced to walk is they're all hunched over. 
So these men are not allowed to stand tall, stand as men would stand. They are being uh, diminified or whatever term you want to use. They're, they're being lessened by being forced by literally being surrounded by dozens and dozens of armed uh, thugs of the state. And, like you know, you step out of line, somebody's going to come in there and do some clubbing, basically, or, or worse. I didn't think about that being the reason, but yeah, they were all being forced to walk like Crunch down a little bit, scrunch down a little bit. A lot bit, yeah. And uh, when they're when they're mm-hmm. walking, their hands have to be on the back of their heads. I think. Um, I don't know. I keep thinking I saw that. I thought uh, they had to have their hands. Their hands forward. are behind their back. It's at either least backward on the, behind their head. For like, in the image up. I'm seeing mm-hmm. here, at least they're behind their their hands are cuffed. They're okay. behind their backs. Um, and they're, they're shackled, their legs are shackled as well. There's, there's masked men, uh, who are manipulating these people, prisoners sitting on the floor with their hands behind their shaven heads stacked closely together before being taken to their cells. President Bukele tweeted that the first 2000 people were transferred quote at dawn in a single operation to the center for confinement of terrorism, which he says is the largest jail in the Americas quote, this will be their new house where they will live for decades, all mixed, unable to do any further harm to the population. So he's not mentioning they're going to live here until their trial. Yeah, that that's what I was confused about when I read that caption. I was like, what about the ones that get found not guilty? Is that not happening? It does not appear to be happening. This is a quote-unquote emergency measure, so they're, they've invoked the emergency powers, which, of course, states love to just bring that up to justify up. anything. Wow, that's so bad. It's very, like, because I'm involved in a lot of the Bitcoin community and things like that, there's a lot of praise given Nayib Bukele for his work with Bitcoin law and things like that, but the problem... and even with skepticism amongst Bitcoiners about relying on a uh, politician for solutions, the there's a lot of praise given for that. But thank, but there are there's a, almost a free pass given sometimes with these people hum- look the other way with these mm-hmm. human rights violations. There are definitely Bitcoiners who are uh, very like Alex Gladstein is a very gr- great example of that because he's a very hum- strong human rights advocate. Um, and but looking at this with Nayib Bukele, it's interesting that people like you know the phrase you know I prefer uh, dangerous freedom over peaceful slavery. You know mm-hmm. people say that, and then they'll see this, and then they turn the other way. Like you, you know, mean or, they're cheering or, it on? Or, yeah, they or and, they, and actually in that case it's even worse. Yes, a lot of these these uh, like self proclaimed liberty types are now cheering it on, and it's sick, and it's like. It's a fundamental I, I, violation well, well, of human, you know, yeah, it was like, decency. What is it? It's like, yeah, these people are clearly innocent. Look at all the tattoos and things like that. And don't get me wrong. Could these people be gang members? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, we need to operate under innocent until proven guilty. We, like, if we want to live in a civilized society, we can't assume guilt by association. We can't assume guilt by appearance. I mean, yeah, if one terrifying. of those people is just innocent, it's an absolute tragedy. Absolutely. Imagine being an innocent person and then being thrown in with a thousand gang members mm-hmm. and being told, well, this is your new life. You have to now live in the mega prison in Tekaluka 
74 kilometers southeast of capital San Salvador has eight buildings. Each has 32 cells of about 100 square meters, which is roughly 1,075 square feet, to hold more than 100 prisoners, says the government. I think the problem the cells, with... Hold on. Oh. The cells only have two sinks and two toilets each for a, over 100 men in 1,000 square feet. Isn't that just going to back uh, blow back on the people who have to work at the jail because they're going to have to be constantly fixing those toilets? Yeah, I mean, I don't. Uh, people that work at jails have real crappy jobs. Yeah, like, sounds they like hate a their jobs. really terrible idea. But. Uh, it's going to be. It's going to suck to work there for sure. But it's going to be even worse to to live there. I mean, you're talking about a hundred square. You know, one square meter per prisoner, right? I mean, that's. <laughs> How are they going to sleep? I mean, they're basically going to be lying right next to one another. I think uh, the, it's crazy. I think the one thing, at least with, keep in mind, this is not me condoning what is happening, but I think one thing that doesn't get played into effect is the verticality of some of these places. Mm-hmm. So at least, at, at the very least, they, they'll they be able to sleep on top of each other. Perhaps. And not necessarily, yeah. You're, in, a, you're, in a line, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a good chance of that. That's true. Um, I mean, people who are condoning this because they're like, yeah, they're, they look like criminals, wouldn't condemn like the Jews getting taken away in boxcars that got, you know, some of them died just from like being suffocated in a train because they were all stuffed in there together for days. I mean, that, that's humans are humans. You, you know, know, you know what the one thing I, and I've seen this, you know, the phrase, yeah, I'd rather a hundred, a uh, hundred v- criminals go free than one than guilty man, one, one innocent man. Sorry, found innocent guilty. Man, yeah. One, one innocent man found guilty is people are who are cheering this on now are using that in a mocking deriding tone and i'm like isn't this exactly what we should be fighting for like corruption within the system shouldn't be applauded and this is like this isn't no there's no ifs ands or buts about it this is a blatant human rights violation straight up yeah uh this is like the the most basic clear human rights violation that i've seen uh in a long time and the the sick thing is they are touting this in such a way, I mean, this guy is proud of what he's doing. He's putting it right yeah, out like there. Yeah, like really fancy video of this it This is and a high-level uh, edit, well-edited. They've got like a soundtrack to it of like dramatic-sounding music. And there was even another video that came out today, uh, Bukele. I can't play it because it's in Spanish, but there's there's titles. Uh, so it's, it's titled English. And he's speaking to his troops, his gang members, who are all lined up in a large field. And he's talking about how this is a mission from God. And like he's invoking religion in this discussion of why they're doing the things that they're doing and helping keep people safe. So there's a ton of propaganda going on out there right now for this. Bukele, according to the story at the BBC has declared a war on gangs as of last March, passing emergency measures, which have been extended several times. Said emergency powers have been controversial as they limit some constitutional rights, such as allowing security forces to arrest suspects without a warrant. Now, more than 64,000 suspects have been arrested in the anti-crime drive. The so-called authorities have said criminal gangs such as MS-13 and Barrio 18 number tens of thousands and are responsible for homicides, extortion, and drug trafficking. The aim of the mass arrests is to make the gangs, quote, disappear altogether. So one thing that's not going to happen here is any kind of rehabilitation. Okay, these that's They're just planning on holding these men for, as he claims, decades of their lives, 
presumably a lot of them are going to die in prison. And any of them that get out are definitely not going to be happy with their experience inside this system. This looks like an absolute nightmare. And uh, we can continue here if you want to share your thoughts. You're welcome to join us. The number 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's me, Ian. It's Bonnie. And also, Kumo. Kumo is here as well. Uh, Kumo has a Twitter account. Uh, He is not banned, unlike Bonnie right now, who Mm -hmm. caught a seven-day ban today, as we were just discussing off the air. I don't know what I'm going to do. For calling Joe Biden a fag. Yeah, I I didn't think that just using the word fag would get you banned. I thought... Like maybe if I like called a gay person a fag, then I would I would probably assume that I would get banned for that. But I didn't know calling an openly straight old man a fag gets you banned for seven days. Maybe he's gay. Thanks, Elon. Yeah, yeah. thanks, free speech absolutist Elon Musk. Well, I, I'm sure Elon Musk's uh, excuse would be that he still doesn't understand the system. He keeps finding things that are wrong with it and trying to supposedly fix them. Who, who knows what really goes on behind the scenes. But you can follow Kumo on Twitter. His account is Kumer, Kumo Krieger. It's spelled K-U-M-O-K-R-I-E-G-E-R. So there you go. Thank I followed you, you today before I got banned. Much appreciated. Uh, all right. So, yeah, we were talking about this El Salvador situation, which is crazy. Uh, there's people who are just getting rounded up and thrown into a prison, which is designed for as many as 40,000 people. And I've got a story here that's getting you know, gets a little bit more into some of the details on uh, who's getting rounded up. According to the BBC, because as we pointed out, these are suspects. They've they've dumped 2,000 men into this brand new facility, and they're going to dump thousands more. They've rounded up 60-something thousand people in most of the last year that this has been going on. Bukele, according to the BBC, calls this extraction. It is intended to tighten the military's control of El Salvador's major cities using high-tech surveillance equipment ostensibly to prevent gang members from coming in or out. The operation began uh, last, I guess it was December, with 10,000 members of the security de- uh, forces descending on the town of Soyapango, where they started rounding up alleged gang members. Bukele dismissed the concerns of international human rights organizations and foreign governments over the state of exception he introduced nine months ago following a weekend of extreme gang violence in which more than 70 people were killed. The emergency measure granted the police... 75 people were killed? 70. Uh, The emergency measure granted the police sweeping new powers, including the right to detain suspects without due process. Bukele told the officers it was supported by more than 95% of Salvadorians. It is undeniably popular, says the BBC. Murder rates are falling to new lows. Neighborhoods which have endured years of extortion and violence... At the hands of the brutal MS-13 and 18th Street gangs are enjoying an unprecedented period of calm. However, 
as El Salvador's uh, prison population is now proportionally the highest in the world. Already overcrowded facilities are heaving under the new intake, prompting the government to announce the construction of a major new penitentiary. So this is a story from December, and now that facility is open. Uh, evidence suggests hundreds, perhaps thousands of people with no discernible link to gang crime have been caught in the dragnet. When police officers came crashing through Zoila Torres's front door in April, she thought they must have made a mistake. We don't make trouble for anyone, she insists. My husband has nothing to do with the gangs. He works in a factory making sacks for transporting crops. Nevertheless, the police stormed their cramped home and detained her husband Manuel and her brother-in-law while her children were eating breakfast. Over the road at her brother's house, the same thing was happening, all on the strength of an anonymous tip. Wow. I mean, have they gotten out? Uh, the three men spent almost a month in the harshest prison condi- conditions in Latin America. Zoila says they were regularly beaten in jail and have been left traumatized by the experience. So it does sound like they did get out. According to the story here, she managed to get them freed after their employer provided assurances that they were not involved in gang activities. One wow, if you don't have later. a job, looks like sucks for you. You're yeah. just going to stay in jail and be beat all the time. That's you, what it sounds like. And the worst part is you're pro- they're probably not going to seek any, they're not going to be able to have any reco- recompenses. Oh, hell no. Things like that. It's emergency measures. Hey, look, we you look like a gang member and there's no more constitutional rights because of the emergency law. And so therefore you should just be thanking your lucky stars. You're no longer in custody, son. It's very funny when the, anything that's a temporary measure or an emergency measure usually ends up not being. Going on forever. Well, it's. Like, let's go with one of the tales all the time, the income tax. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's mm-hmm. obviously it's temporary. It's very egregious, but and but temporary. Obviously, not as terrible as 60,000 people being hauled away to some prison to be forgotten about. But Marta, tem- an 18-year-old psychology student, was not so fortunate. Her father, Oscar, says that Marta, not her real name, was taken from her home after the police tried to force her to name a gang member. As she didn't know any gang members and was not prepared to falsely accuse anyone, well, they simply arrested her instead. Holy he said. crap. There's a particular event in American history that uh, very much echoes this uh, thing where, you know, if you had to name somebody or else you would be considered one of the one of the enemies. The Red Scare? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, it's exact, this is McCarthyism under a different skin. Or uh, don't forget when they rounded up uh, Japanese and German Americans and threw them into concentration camps just because of their heritage. Yep. So don't think it can't happen here. In late December, she'll, be, uh, she'll have been in prison for six months, said her father. They arrested her for illicit association, but they provided no proof and no evidence at all. Oscar's attempts to secure his daughter's release, providing evidence of her enrollment in university and testimony from her church group as to her good character, have so far so far fallen on deaf ears. And now Marta, like thousands of other prisoners, is facing a further six months in legal limbo as the state of exception, which is their term, I guess, for state of emergency, is to be extended again this year. Wow. Lucretia Landa Verde, a pro bono lawyer representing scores of detainees, says the policy is causing lasting damage to El Salvador's judicial system, 
Quote, so far there have been involved thousands of arbitrary arrests, unfounded accusations, and illegal detentions. There haven't even been preliminary investigations to check that those arrested form part of the gang structures, she argues. With habeas corpus all but suspended and some police reportedly justifying the arbitrary detentions as simply the president's will, the road to full-blown totalitarianism is short, she warned. Crackdown has also targeted scores of ex-gang members, too, many of whom had renounced the gang life decades earlier and were attempting to make amends for their past crimes. Among them is William Arias, an evangelical pastor and former MS-13 member that the BBC interviewed in 2018. A tattoo of the gang's initials still visible on his forehead, William fully admitted to having carried out some heinous crimes in his youth, yet he insisted that for 18 years he had entirely dedicated himself to dissuading other people from following his path into the group. He was arrested in April, and his whereabouts are currently unknown. Wow. Imagine that for a moment. Like, it's bad enough to have people being captured and thrown into horrifying conditions and then to not even know where your loved one is being held. Whether they're alive. Whether they're alive. Which facility that they're being held in. Even wondering whether you'll ever have a chance to speak to them on some crappy prison phone uh, ever again in the future. His family has no idea. He, uh, if he hasn't been released, doubtless he still had charges to answer, said the vice president of the National Assembly. He said, no, he's just speculating. And remember, many gang members use the church as a pretext, he alleged. The staunchly pro-Bukele deputy has repeatedly advocated for the death sentence for El Salvador's gang members. Well, lots of gang members also use the government as a pretext. They sure do. Uh, we were just talking about that earlier tonight with uh, the Memphis situation with Tyree Nichols. Was yep. that his last name? Tyree, isn't it? Tyree Nichols. Correct. I was just saying these people are thugs. They absolutely are. 100%. Whether they're officially a part of a gang or not, they're officially part of the government gang. It's terrifying what they're doing. Uh, and so, again, you know, to any Bitcoiners who are planning on going down there and supporting this thug, you need to think again. I think I... the problem is just like a lot of Bitcoin people in the Bitcoin space, they just don't actually care about the actual principles that no, they don't. Uh, Satoshi Nakamoto cared about. No, and a lot of them just want to make, make money. They, they just want, want to make money. To it's silly. And, and they, will cu- they will curry favor with any politician who is pandering to them. And that's what this guy is doing, Bukele, you know. I mean, he's he's entertaining in the same way that Trump is entertaining, and he's also, you know, much worse in he, a lot yeah, of ways than Trump was. Yeah, I was going to say he's Trump worse. Was. He's like, no, I would rather have Trump be the president than naive Bukele. I mean, it's one dictator for another, but at least there's the pre- the pretext of the rule of law in the United States. Still and I definitely don't day. want that Vivek Ramaswamy guy getting oh, elected God. because he basically wants to do this in the United States, but with the... Cartel in Mexico. He thinks that we can yeah, just go into insane. Mexico and do he, he this. He wants to literally bring the military into Mexico and start bombing the cartels. You know, I thought Vivek was pretty decent on his critique on ESG, but I feel like sometimes people go beyond the scope of what they are actually good at commenting on. So him moving on to other aspects is, I think, a hindrance to his th- his process. Well, I mean, this uh, a lot of people on the right may be correct about ESG or uh, what's the, the thing? CBDCs. The schools. No, the the schools where they're social uh, emotional social, learning. That was one of them, and then there's the other. There's another thing that they're doing in the schools. The uh, with a race. 
critical stuff. Thank see, you. Critical, critical race, race theory. theory. Yep. Yeah, I know he's a critical. Uh, he's a, a critic of critical race theory. I think as well. So yeah, he's probably right on some things. So was Trump, right? But this guy is a, a psychopath who wants to actually start a literal war uh, with the, the Mex- drug dealers. The Mexicans today still hate this one president from like 2010 that declared war on the cartels and like I don't know how many untold thousands of people, innocent people, died because of that. Yeah, I'm about ready to block the guy or like mute the guy on uh, social media because yeah, right. he's followed by and liked by some libertarians who I've said y'all should know better than to get fooled by some politician. Like seriously, a gonna- speech politicians yeah. can say anything. Right, they do. They know they know their audience and they know what to say to you know work that particular crowd. And so apparently, this guy showed up at a libertarian event here in. Uh, New Hampshire, and there's these libertarians that are like posting about him. Like, have you seen what this guy has said? He's been he's promoting the vaccination. Uh, he's he's a pimp for the pharmaceutical industry, basically, and he also wants to ramp up the war on drugs. I mean, this guy is no libertarian. He appeared on Ben Shapiro's show as well, re- detailing like some really bad critiques of libertarianism as well. Oof. If you if he uh, Dave Smith and uh, Rob Bernstein did a very good breakdown of what mm. him and Ben Shapiro have said as critiques uh, on their show some time ago. So, Rebecca, I don't think, like, him moving into libertarian spaces is one of those things where it's, I think it's kind of a Weld-Johnson uh, scenario where, you know, conservatives' minds are moving into the libertarian space to curry favor. Mm. Yep. Um, yeah, he just wants to get votes. You know, he wants to he wants to get votes in the the battleground state, right? New Hampshire's the first in the nation primary, and he's just doing what all politicians do. They come here and they pander to people. Anyway, let's go to Jimmy. He's in Florida. Jimmy, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Oh, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, um, sir. I'd lo- I'm from Wisconsin, too, and I hear you have a man here that moved to New Hampshire from Wisconsin. Uh, could I explain to him why this isn't going to work for him? <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, bud. Okay. A couple of uh, weeks ago, you had a story about uh, all the child porn going on in the Pentagon and what have you. I think the captain was there. I don't think you were there, Ian. Okay. Maybe you heard about it. Okay. Here's the problem with that. He moved there because it's free. As soon as the free country of New Hampshire forms, guess who also will move in there? All the child porn people, because they know they won't get caught. Um, so, uh, let's, let's, a child. Your, let's put your man on. Uh, what's he going to do when all the child porn and all the evil, nefarious people move to New Hampshire and join him there? Uh, it's your turn, Wisconsinite. What are you going to do? What's your answer? What's your solution? Well, are you implying that Florida does not have pedophiles? No. Uh, here's the problem. <laughs> You got you, know, you didn't say it. Could I, okay, I'll ask you a question here. You didn't say, let's get rid of the government, then child porn will go away. That's the impression I got. Now, is that what you're saying? As soon as the government goes away, child porn is going to go away? Who, sa- who no said that? No one said that. I don't think that. But that's what I, the impression. You guys were just, oh, oh, oh Are you talking, just to this clarify. Guy, this is Jimmy. the guy who calls in and always tells me, Bonnie, try to name a civilization that was libertarian that didn't fail. Just to clarify, you're referring to another show on which none of the three of us were seated. 
Yes. Uh, okay, you, so you how are we supposed to comment on what was said on a night when none of the three of us were here to actually comment it? I can't imagine anyone would say that child porn would just disappear in a free society. I mean, certainly under a society in which prostitution was legal, you would likely see lower amounts of human trafficking, and it's possible that some child pornography is produced through human trafficking where people are literally enslaved and being held against their will. So perhaps there could be an argument that there may be a reduction. Well, just uh, in, in general, that, but- if, uh, if a society is less sexually repressed, then mm-hmm. they won't uh, go off into the weird things people get into when they're sexually repressed, like yeah. unnatural things like pedophilia. Could be. I think that Jimmy, what you would what you would likely see in a truly free society, which is you know what we're talking about here, is people probably would not be okay finding out that their neighbor was in the process of, or business of producing child pornography, and I suspect there would be okay. some pretty strong That's social right. uh, upheaval or social rejection. Uh, possible, you know, yeah, violence. Uh, lots of guns used, up here. That would be used against those people to run them out of those uh, communities. So I think you're... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Bonnie, Bonnie, you said you're going to draw a gun on me because I'm a child born? Uh, no, I didn't. Will you hang up on this freak? <laughs> wait a second. Yeah. No. Go ahead, Kuma. Okay. Are you admitting that you you are a child pornographer? No, I'm just saying you're you're going to be a magnet. Somebody might draw a gun on you. Thing. Yeah, that's a very real possibility. Like there's a good chance okay, well, that if uh, there's a good chance that some angry dad is going to find out like that uh, Jimmy, his uh, next door neighbor, is actually a child pornographer. Right. Yeah. And that's probably okay, not going to go over real well with the you know like the dads in the neighborhood. I don't know. I'm just going out on a limb here. I, I suspect. Yeah. No. No. I'm not moving up there. Okay. Good. Uh, yeah. We don't want you here. Point, and I'm not. I'm not into anything I know of, but this guy has a boring voice. He's a monotone. All right, well, you're boring. The number is 603-283-6160. That's the worst caller. That's 603-283-6160. Let's go to the phones here. I think you've been great tonight, Kumo. Thank you. Uh, CW is on the line here in Arizona, and that's, by the way, one of our most hostile callers, so you oh, yeah. can't expect any compliments Plus from Plus, he just uh, likes my voice. He's guy. obsessed with me. CW, go ahead. Hello, KTOX representing. Welcome, so, sir. Uh, listen, pedophiles are part of a good hygiene for women. You got to have pedophile. Oh, As to file your toenails? Your toes? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, P-E-D-I. There's my joke for the day. Oh, okay. God. Yes, there's my, Terrible. There's my <laughs> joke for the day. Great call for that joke. But anyways, um... You guys were talking about Chuck earlier. He He called about the little house on the prairie. What would happen, I was thinking about this, if the natives actually had full reign and the new world never came to populate and then to create all the mass migration of the new world into the natives' property because they were self-governance. I bet they, 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 did all, they, they trekked all the land. They knew what their land was versus the other tribes. You know what I'm saying? I'm just wondering what would have happened if they would have been able to thrive on their own versus have the dominance of an outside world. That's, that's all. Are we still Thank talking you. about the television show? or are No, we talking he's about, just uh, saying no. it, the Native no, Americans. No, no, no. Just speculating. The actual on, Native Americans. Yep. Okay, gotcha. It'd probably be a really freaking cool society that would be really interesting and fun to look look at even. Like, I was going to say, uh, to 
see, but yeah, even to look at because probably wouldn't be all boring looking like, you know, Washington, D.C. Instead, uh, you've got the Bureau of Indian Affairs, I think is what it's called, and they are a federal government agency that rules over uh, these Indian reservations and basically just disincentivizes them from being great. I, be- I believe John Stossel has a very good piece on this. From like 20 years ago. Yeah. That I think he actually updated oh, it really? re- relatively recently. Oh, interesting. Um, detailing. And it's very like a very short r- a watch on the, things like that. But actually go into further speculation of what would happen if the European powers did not engage in colonialism against the native people. I'd say I think I would, I'm going to be quite honest. I'd put a fair wager that there would still be wars. There'd still be decent amount of tribalism, but because there's so many different tribes, you'd have a lot of interest. Like it would be a, I'd be quite honest, it'd be kind of like the United States now, except instead of the states as they are, it's tribes in particularly geographical areas. Um, that is an example in Wisconsin. Uh, you have the Ojibwa in the mm. uh, in the Black River, and the Ho Chunk. Uh, though those three, they tend at least in this modern age, they get along mm-hmm. quite well. The so it'd be, I think it would be, you'd still have some of the same problems that you do today with. Well, you would still have some of the same problems as you did with various European powers up up until very recently, and even now with the war going on between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, wars would still happen. I just think it'd be harder to maintain those wars and cultures would eventually just be able to engage in free trade and positive interactions. Yeah, that would have been an interesting world to live in. Let's go to David in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, David. Yeah, question on uh, secession. So uh, if uh, New Hampshire successfully secedes from the United States, then I would speculate that any of the counties in New Hampshire or any of the municipalities or any of the townships or any of the neighborhoods or just myself and my little yard, I could secede or any of those can secede from New Hampshire. Is that correct? Sure, I would why not? like that. That's actually very similar to what uh, Liechtenstein does. Really? Uh, Liechtenstein's, uh, I believe it's provinces and not counties. Uh, they have it within their constitution that any county uh i'm just going to use that term just because mm-hmm. it's easier uh can secede from Liechtenstein and become their own country become their own country so Liechtenstein is incentivized in order to provide good, good services service. and be mm. a good country i feel like if it, it, if new hampshire did that they would the, the country the hypothetical country of new hampshire would do its best in order to retain customership or, you know, retain its regions. That's would a they, great point. Would they be able to secede? Absolutely, in my personal opinion. Uh, it's just a matter of what would New Hampshire do to maintain mm-hmm. the positive relations with those counties, municipalities, hell, even you in your own backyard. Yeah, and so that would be basically like a constitutional amendment that might make that possible? I think that's a great idea. David, does that answer that your works. question? Yeah, that works. Oh, and by the way, just like uh, that chuckles the clown guy, don't don't believe anything CW from uh, Bullhead says. Can't trust him. Okay. Well, by the okay. way, he oh, dropped oh. off the line. I don't know if anyone Then wondered. I won't trust that joke he made. All right. Thanks, David, for the call. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. Of course, you can bring up whatever you want. Uh, any other comments on El Salvador? I think, I think we, at least from my end, I think we covered it pretty well. Human rights violations, bad. Uh, 
totalitarianism this is terrifying. I mean, yeah, this that is, article is terrifying. I mean, All the innocent and, people. Right, right. And we're just scratching the surface. I mean, that's just three people the BBC talked to, and they've arrested 60-something thousand of these people, these quote-unquote suspects. And as we're learning, many of which were just simply snitched on by some anonymous tip. Oh, oh, I don't like, you know, Bonnie. I'm going to call up the, the cops and say she's a gang member. And then you are you get snatched up out of your life. And then your loved ones have to do everything possible to try to uh, get you back. And, you know, if, if you're we can already abused in there no matter are. what anyway. Yeah. If we can even find out which facility uh, you're being held in, if any information is, is being made public at, at all. So, uh, once again, if you're a Bitcoiner out there and you are... So in some way considering supporting uh, the Naib Bukele Bitcoin beach thing or whatever. They're coming up with like a Bitcoin city. Yeah, the Bitcoin volcano. And they want to sell Bitcoin bonds in order to make this happen. Just remember who you're giving money to. Okay? I don't know. They might pay back, but remember who you're giving money to. You're giving it to a tyrant, a dictator. And if you care about freedom at all, you shouldn't be doing that. Go find some DeFi thing uh, to get into instead. We'll see you tomorrow night online. In the meantime, check out Kumo on Twitter. He's at Kumo Krieger. We'll see you tomorrow. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of... Where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project, and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because... I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com.